Wrestling Geeks This is Dane Alves, and we're with you with another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the weekly show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over the shows from the past week. We have a uh, decently sized show, I would say, today. Uh, me and Chris will be going over the Wednesday Night Wars, uh, SmackDown from last night. We're recording on Saturday. And we got a couple news items of where wrestlers in the industry are going next. A little speculation and uh, talk about that. But before we get there, I couldn't do this show without the man I mentioned. Thank you, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing today? And, um, you know, do your best Arnold Schwarzenegger impression right now. Oh, dude, I have I can't. I'm so terrible at the Austrian accent. It's just awful. I'm not even going to try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't do it. it. It's it's too embarrassing. People would stop listening to the show if I did that. They were just just <laughs> in the podcast right there. Um, yeah, I'm doing good, man. It's cold outside here in Georgia. It's like 36 outside right now. It's nuts. Uh, but it's been a busy week. Uh, hockey started back up. So between wrestling and hockey, I don't think I've consumed anything else. How's how's your week been? It's been good, man. Uh, slower week at the uh, the the. the the warehouse, but, um, you know, just did shipping, managing stuff. And, uh, now I'm here talking with you about some wrestling from this last week. So good stuff all together. Um, just to let you guys know, we are, I believe doing our 92nd episode. Now that list is not, I would say of all time. Uh, but at least recently when we became the newer platform, wrestling geeks Alliance by itself, uh, working with new audio, new entrants uh, on platforms because of Red Circle providing us with uh, some of the biggest downloadable uh, types. Uh, we've, we've, we've gained a lot more audience. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, like I say, every week. So uh, since we're coming on our 100th episode, me and Chris are putting together a little bit of a concept. We're still in the works. We're trying to do our top 20 or our top 25, I should say, favorite wrestlers, uh, first of all, more of the modern era with the 2000s, 2010s, and then more of our classic favorites with the 80s and 90s in which we grew up. Uh, we're trying to find the parameters for each person, which is a little bit little bit weird, but, uh, you know, uh, I think that we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And then hopefully by the 100th episode, we'll premiere our top 25 favorite wrestlers of all time. So... I'm looking forward to that. We want to do a little bit of uh, something out of the box. Uh, you know, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll consider doing a watch along, which we talked about doing too, to represent the 100th episode on all those downloadable platforms. Uh, it's a big deal. You know, we're probably way more than that, I would say. But either way, that's a, a pretty big deal with us uh, being able to provide you guys a good product 
on some of the biggest downloadable platforms on the internet. So, uh, Chris, any statements about that? Well, I'm going to try to get uh, Disco Inferno so you and him can have beef on air. <laughs> that feels oh like the God, way to celebrate. Please. That feels like the way to celebrate the 100th episode, right? <laughs> Maybe we can get that done. No, I, all joking aside, it should be a fun show. And for all of you older listeners and new listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening to us. It's it's crazy to think that this started from me and Dane talking at a bar about how we should talk about wrestling more often and spun into this podcast that's been going for almost four years now, I guess. So crazy, man. It's a long time. Yeah, in retrospect, let me look this up. We basically started a couple weeks because we were working on our list of comparisons, something I put together, you know, just as a free conversation. Because back then, I believe it was only Ron SmackDown, and we, we weren't even covering NXT at the time. But, you know, we started right before Wrestle Kingdom 11. So let me look. Kingdom. This is great. This is great uh, radio. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, uh. <laughs> So We're that was back. That was that was at the beginning of uh, 2017. So we started probably midway through 2016. Yeah, we've been on the air for about almost five years. That's a uh, it's pretty awesome. And and here's to five more years. I'm gonna crack open a noon beer and I'm ready to talk some of this wrestling from uh, now from now time periods. Noon beers and wrestling. Let's get started on this, Chris. Uh, first of all, you know, we got a lot of information. Let's, let's start off with something we already talked about a little bit, uh, when we were reviewing Wrestle Kingdom and the whereabouts of Jay White. Now there is rumors that his contract's coming up soon. They definitely, at least in storyline after his loss kind of implied that concept. Um, you know, there's different reports going on. Some are saying that he has, you know, basically extended his contract. And some are saying that he has not done that yet. But what do you how do you feel about these rumors of what's going on with Jay White going forward in New Japan? And I'll put out the ultimate answer, which will be kind of presented for a lot of these guys we're talking about. Um, If he doesn't stay with New Japan, which I think me and you probably think that would be his best place. Where would you like to see him go? Ooh, Jay White, that's a tough one. I would, as far as where I'd want to see him go, I would get, I'm, I would go on a limb and say AEW. Yeah, if I, if I had to, but I mean, I would prefer for him to stay in, in NXT. And I guess the big rumor is that AEW originally wanted to sign him and he had made the comment that he had already signed with New Japan for seven years when AEW started. So we don't know when that seven year contract starts and ends. So, and they're playing it very close to the vest. Uh, my gut feeling is this is just a New Japan storyline, and they're letting people run wild with it, honestly. And I think that makes the most sense. Uh, I, I mean, I could see them doing it in either part of having that that that, that interview, that you know, uh, more realistic interview with him after his loss, as either obviously storyline. Or they're giving him much like somewhat of a send off before he leaves to go somewhere else. But I'm with you. I just think that he's either got more years and people may, might have their facts uh, not straight or he already signed an extension. 
and they're just playing off of uh, people's emotions and the rumor mills when it comes to the dirt sheets, brother, brother. Any last comments before we move on to uh, X Ring of Honor uh, champion? No, I mean, the the only thing that gives any kind of breath to the Jay White rumors is people in WWE being really behind wanting to sign him, which I do believe that. But at the same time, maybe, you know, if he still has a contract, you can want to sign a guy. But if he's under contract, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. So, uh, man, any company would be lucky to have that guy, especially after coming off that Wrestle Kingdom and really, to me, stepping out from being just kind of, uh, to me, a bland heel. I know he had a good, like a really good year last year, but I wasn't super into Jay White until last year. So, and then after Wrestle Kingdom with the promos, he was able to cut through the press conference and, and his reaction to losing these high profile matches. Um, he one of the top heels in the business right now and a very interesting storyline. So I hope that he retains and just stays in New Japan because it would be great to see him, you know, win the title and have like a run, maybe even as a sympathetic baby face, depending on if the Bullet Club decides to turn on him or I don't know. There's a lot of stuff you can do with Jay White in New Japan, and I don't necessarily know what you would do with him in AEW or any of the WWE shows, at least uh, coming in fresh. Well, let me stop you right there, actually. I, I decided to take over for Dane for a second. This is Hunter. Anyways, I uh, I kind of like certain uh, aspects about Jay White. Kind of reminds me a lot of myself. You know, just uh, this great, great bad guy. And, and people hated him uh, for shoveling people, apparently, for a while and getting forced down throats, but then made sure he was good at forcing it down people's throats and that fucking Shawn michaels uh one of my best friends already got two guys one uh johnny gargano and one adam cole that kind of represent his fucking career so i just want uh one guy uh, that i can get and try to give him the sledgehammer for the future peter gabriel style uh, uh redone by motorhead <laughs> That is uh that's the king of shovel style, Triple H. Thank you for joining the show, Triple H. You're welcome. Uh yeah, no, all all joking is <laughs> all fucking joking aside. Uh he could be a very good Triple H, but I mean to me, Drew McIntyre is that to to some extent. I mean, they've obviously turned him babyface, but when he was in NXT and, and kind of had his heel run coming up. Uh, very much shades of Triple H. I don't know that the world needs more Triple yeah. H in modern wrestling. Well, 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 wait, wait, you're not saying that when it comes to the old guy in charge and me taking over. Thanks, Hunter. Um, can you get off the line now? <laughs> God, God damn it. He's going to start breaking down quarterly uh, stock markets, <laughs> stocks and stuff here in just a few. I don't know how to do that. Anyways, uh, yeah, so... Uh, interesting with Jay White. Let's move on to another character. I would say a great gimmick. The Freddie Mercury, if you will, of wrestling. Mr. Dalton Castle, who a lot of people don't realize. Ex excellent collegiate wrestler. You know, has great wrestling in college and in high school uh, pedigrees. And, uh, you know, uh, Dalton Castle is apparently done with Ring of Honor. And uh, he's going to be going some other places. 
I definitely think that we could see him popping up more so on two different places, I would say, Chris. Um, I mean, the character design kind of seems larger than life, so I could see WWE, at least in the NXT platform, wanting to get him, but I feel like I could see him popping up more so on Impact or even AEW, and uh, with AEW, pretty sure he has a history with uh, certain people on that roster, i.e. Cody Rhodes, so... You know, they could present that if they'd like to. Dalton's one of the guys up there with Jay Briscoe, up there with obviously Jay Lethal, as one of their last big, uh, you know, main event stars, I would say. So I would say it's a pretty big loss for Ring of Honor. I would have to agree with you there. There was a there was a lot of hype around him when he became the Ring of Honor champion, and then he had some injuries and was kind of gone for a while. But as far as who is left in that company, I would consider him one of their high-profile stars, especially if you've been watching Ring of Honor for the past 10 years. Uh, it's it's definitely a heavy loss for them. And, uh, I mean, from, from his conversation, he didn't say that there was no way he was going back to Ring of Honor. He just said he wanted to kind of shop around his contract and see what else was out there. So, for all we know, he could end up back in Ring of Honor. Personally, I, I mean, if MLW will match the contract, I think he would be a great fit there just because there's no one like him on their roster, really. That, that's a good idea. Um, I like that. For, I like Dalton. No, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I just was saying uh, I like I like your idea, and I like Dalton, so basically wherever, but I love uh, the idea of MLW gaining him. Yeah, and I mean... I would say is obviously they don't have the backing that Ring of Honor has, but when you say backing by Ring of Honor, it's almost laughable as far as the money that they put towards uh, making that making that a, a more known show. So I I would assume that you know MLW would be able to pay him whatever Ring of Honor wanted to pay him. Um, maybe Impact would be able to do the same. I mean with with Ring of Honor, it's it seems like they were vamping up to start paying guys because they paid God, that contract that they had with uh, Marty scroll was very large. And then they started bringing in some guys and this is right before COVID hit um, in, in March or whatever. And me, you actually talked about it. We're like, uh, is it Sinclair broadcasting? Yes. For wait, wait. Yeah. For ring of honor. Yes. Yeah. So we, me and you actually had a show where we actually, we talked about this back in, I think it was either, February or March and we said it looks like they're actually trying to make this more of a viable product um, they're signing guys they're actually paying people what they should deserve to be paid it looks like they're you know they changed the booking and then <laughs> and then March hit Ring of Honor has to completely shut down and Marty Scroll became a scumbag apparently <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> things got really weird so I don't know if Sinclair is uh I don't know what they're doing. I mean, obviously, it's hard hard to uh, justify going out and spending a bunch of money when Ring of Honor just started back up. So it's uh, – I, I don't know. I would assume that they would pay Dalton Cass a lot of the guys that were there. If, they're, if they were going to pay one guy, he would be someone I would want to keep around personally. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I would say M- MLW or Impact would be a, a good fit for him. AEW almost has too many wrestlers that have these kind of characters – yeah, and I, I think that he will end up being kind of a wash in AEW, unless they get a second show and do some kind of brand split or 
have an A show and a B show or something weird like that, which I don't really want to brand split. But until they get that second show, I don't know that AEW needs to bring anyone else in unless it's like a big name. Like, you know, if Okada wants to come over and work like a six month program or something, then you make room for Okada. But right now that roster is so damn stacked. Uh, and by stacked, I mean, they just have so many guys. You can't get everyone on a two hour show. So I would say, you know, best fits probably impact or MLW if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't stay in Ring of Honor. But I'm assuming he's going to end up back in Ring of Honor. That's probably a smart assumption. Um, yeah, and I agree with you. When it comes to AEW, I would definitely prioritize over someone coming in for six months, like an Okada or even like a Nick Aldis with the NWA championship, kind of holding it down, maybe having a program with Cody that goes a pretty long distance to kind of end that feud. Uh, but yeah, those are seem a little bit more important, uh, especially, you know, with a second show, it's still going to be, it's already overloaded, so I do, I do agree with you. Dalton with uh, Impact, you know, I... I think that's a good fit. And MLW, I think it's good, too. And uh, I got to admit, kind of relating to MLW Fusion, I caught up because they were done with the Opera Cup. That was kind of keeping me out of watching it because I hate joining tournaments late. That's why sometimes it just kind of annoys me that I only watch the, quote-unquote, bigger matches during the G1 uh, because I just like to try to be up-to-date with everything. But that's a stupid concept. Anyways, but the last Fusion was awesome. Uh, Low-key is fucking just... He just comes off like such a badass. He's grown out his hair a little bit and has some uh, stubble. He just looks darker, grittier. He's put on a lot more muscle, and he's ending people with elbows to the fucking back of the head that even look more devastating than Will Ospreay's. Uh, Hilo del, uh, uh, L.A. Park and L.A. Park went against the Von Eriks for the Tag Team Championships. Not going to give away who won, but it was great. And Mil Mortes, I mean, people probably already thought this, uh, came in with Selena De, De Renta and murdered someone within like three seconds, showing his presence. So definitely check out the new MLW, MLW Fusion if you have enough time. I, d- I did end up watching uh, the majority of the show just because I knew it was going to be Mil Mortez's uh, debut, and that was awesome. The whole show was awesome. Uh, the Von Erics did a really good job of promoting this thing on social media as well. For the for the tag championship match, they had a bunch of interviews and stuff out there, so I, they they hooked me. Um, yeah, very good show. Uh, maybe we'll maybe next next episode we'll break it down because I think that, I think MLW is a thing that people I don't know that I would say a lot of people end up watching a few a few days later, even if they're MLW fans, just because there's so much wrestling out yep. there. Well, not only that, it, the episodes are now coming out on Wednesdays, which was cool for Brian Pillman, even though he had two losses to be able to be on two shows, Rick Rude style, uh, on both of them. But I do like MLW. Uh, they them and Impact, they're really cool. Uh, they Impact lets them use uh, some of their wrestlers on the roster, and it's just to me, it's 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 a really a really good product that's different. Them bringing aspects of Lucha Underground back into it to kind of give fans a little bit of that, I think is a good idea and really good fucking roster guys. I mean, people like, and I've said this a million times, Jacob Fatu, who's a champion, Roman Reigns, cousin, part of the Analoa family. Um, uh, Alexander Hammerstone, which is their open weight champion, I believe is the title that he has. Who's, you know, Jim Cornette has compared the man to Kurt Henning many times. Great wrestler, 
uh, and uh, Mance Warner. A little bit of Terry Funk meets Austin within him. The Von Eriks being able to carry out that lineage. L.A. Park, who was fucking Pentagon before Pentagon was even around. Uh, more of a gleam in uh, his dad's eye at the time. And just so many other great wrestlers. Now Mil Mortes joins a mix. Loki is a fucking murderer, ex-champion in there. It's a lot of fun if you have an extra hour to check it out. And Celia Delorenta is one of the best women on the mic, humans on the mic, period, and managers, and she's only like 23. Now I'm worried for your health because you left Filthy Tom off that list, your Opera Cup winner. Oh, oh God. <laughs> uh, and Filthy Tom Lawler, who is fucking awesome himself, legit as hell, and gives me little shades of uh, Mr. Roddy Roddy Piper. Gotta admit that. Not as crazy and, and, and spastic, but... I know he he just has something about him. Great heel, great baby face. I, I will. I do want to say this about Court Bauer real quick. I really appreciate that even when this show is on hiatus, they kept showing their old product. It didn't just completely go away. So I think they did a good job, even on their YouTube. Uh, when there was nothing for them to put up, they were just replaying shows from their history. So you got to see like some weird matches with like Sabu and uh, MVP and like all of these cats. Uh, so that was that was really cool, and uh, he just did an interview with Dave Meltzer on uh, Wrestling Observer uh, Radio. So if you guys want to go check that out, it, w- it was interesting stuff talking about navigating a wrestling company during the pandemic. Yeah, definitely checked out the interview and enjoyed it myself. Court's a great guy too. Good friends with Steve Austin. They've had a bunch of interviews. Used to work for WWE during its one of its biggest times as a writer, you know, person backstage. And then went and formed MLW with Dusty Rhodes and started giving a place for people like Steve Carino, uh, C.W. Anderson, C.M. Punk to kind of show themselves on a different platform with legends like Sabu, Terry Funk, and Dusty himself. So I think it's a great organization, and I love the the infusion, if you will, because their show's called Fusion. Um of uh, Lucha Libre and kind of adding that aspect and uh, just just uh, just good stuff. I can't like I said, I can't say enough good things about MLW. I think overall, Chris, if I'm going to be honest, even though I've kept up more with Impact, when it comes to Ring of Honor, MLW, and uh, and Impact, I think that MLW for me, because I've been watching it for a while, has been more consistent, um, you know, of a of a of a wrestling product for me. I'm I'm a little torn on Ring of Honor and MLW because they basically kind of did the same thing. You had the Opera Cup and the uh, what is it? Not the not the Pride pure, pure tournament. There you go. And and those were both great. Like there was great things in both of those. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. That's a tough one. I I I do know that I have liked those shows better than most of the impacts I've watched. But you know, we'll. Uh... We'll move on, uh, but yeah, definitely, if you guys haven't gotten a chance, it's on YouTube for free, free 95, MLW Fusion. Comes on weekly, premieres on Wednesday. Watch it when you want. It's only an hour. Uh, but let's move on to the last big person of where's he going, Chris? We got Ricochet. So it was reported beforehand. I forgot the original outlet, but this was even gone. To the Wrestling Observer, they were talking about it is the contract of Mr. Ricochet. 
and that apparently a lot of people were speculating that it was coming up soon. Uh, we found that either he was signed extensive, uh, he was already signed basically to 2024, or without us knowing, he extended his contract during that time period. Um, but Ricochet right away shut it down. But every wrestler does that. I think this comes down to, and I told you this off air before we went on, wishful thinking from fans that just want the rumor to be true so we can see Ricochet used properly and become a big star on platforms like either New Japan, uh, AEW, just somewhere the fuck else besides WWE. Even if it means, and I'd be completely down with this, him going back to NXT if they want to do something like that. Yeah, I mean... So I guess it was what about a year and a half ago, there was a bunch of fans asking him how he felt about his position in the company, and he said everything is great, I love it. <laughs> and uh, now we're getting the contract rumors. There was so Dave confirmed that his deal was up, right? Originally in the Observer is what you were saying. I believe so. I had an article with all the information. I don't know if it's the one I shared with you in the Messenger, but I can't fucking find it now conveniently. So, I mean, I guess what it really comes down to is if WWE signed him to a three-year deal or a five-year deal, because he signed in 2018. So, if it was a three-year deal, it would be up this year. If it's a five-year deal, it would be 2023, 2024, depending on when the deal was signed. They're trying to lock everyone into five-year deals now, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's still under contract. I It is a little bit of wishful thinking. They've They've ruined this guy. Uh, to me, he was like one of the hottest free agents before they signed him, and he was a big deal in NXT, and they brought him to the main roster, put him in a tag team with Ciampa. Ciampa leaves because he's injured, and man, have they buried this guy. From giving him a Spider-Man gimmick to <laughs> having him lose to AJ Styles like seven times in a row. Like I don't know if he pissed someone off. I, I I really don't know the story on, on Ricochet and why he's been treated the way he has been treated in that company because no one no one on that roster can do the things that Ricochet does. There's not one person that is that level of athletic uh, in the same way that Ricochet is and the things that he is able to do in the ring if you let Ricochet be Ricochet. Personally, because Mil Mortes is back, I would love to see him show up as Prince Puma in MLW. If I'm just oh, wow. <laughs> just being a fantasy nerd, because I I would love to see continuation of that. But uh, also New Japan. Uh, Osprey's a heel now. So that would be fun, right? Get a, get the second match of that. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea necessarily, but I thought they had some really good matches. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. It, it's, maybe it is wishful thinking. If anything... Hopefully, Ricochet will look at the fact that fans are so excited that his contract might be up and realize that if he really does love WWE, maybe realize that it's not necessarily the best thing for his career as far as wrestling goes. But, you know, Scope. Yeah, and, and then again, I mean, he could be on the Shinsuke Nakamura level where he's like, everything is fine. I'm completely happy here. You know, I, I even the uh, documentary series that he did on WWE Network, it was like he was trying to explain it as if this is my dream to be a part of WWE. He kept on going back to that. But I think we all think, and he has to realize to an extent, very similar to Mustafa Ali, very similar to certain wrestlers in there. If I were somewhere else, I could be pretty fucking big. And now it's not about 
getting the WWE Championship as the biggest thing that you could possibly do within your career. Uh, I think I love the idea of him as Puma, Prince Puma on anything, especially MLW for 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 the reasoning where we're talking about uh, them. I don't know if they I don't know if Court gained the rights of Lucha Underground, but he's bringing certain things from that show onto that platform, which is awesome regardless. And Prince Puma was, you know, I, I feel like him and Pentagon were the two biggest uh, components of that. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have Pentagon anymore. New Japan, he had a great presence there, and he doesn't have to rely on promos. It's much more about stylistically. And him and Will Ospreay will forever be linked. They could have unfinished business and have an incredible uh, group of matches. And I will say, even though we were talking about with Dalton Castle, and no offense to Dalton Castle, but AEW, I think that they would look at him like, yeah, we can make Ricochet a star. At the very least, they can put him back in one of the most incredible tag teams that he was in with uh, Matt Seidel and just do that until they find something for him to do. But he can put on great matches with so many people over there from Pac to Kenny Omega to whoever. So um, it just, it comes down to the fact that I don't care if he goes back to NXT, he's just wasting away. And I don't feel like, I don't feel as good about, you know, like what's happened eventually with Sammy, what's finally seems like it's coming back to Shinsuke What's happened definitely with Kevin Owens, where they're finally starting to utilize those those ex NXT guys and they're becoming bigger uh, within their respective shows. Actually, I think all of them are on SmackDown, so that makes a lot of fucking sense. Um, you know, it's like Aleister Black. Ricochet has they both started at the same time. It just if you're not gonna fucking use them, put them back on NXT. But maybe they're waiting around for their spot, which I don't know how long they might be waiting for. Is Alistair Black injured, or have they just completely written him off the show at this point? Apparently, they're trying to find a spot for him. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will say this. If Ricochet, if it is just that it's, it was always his dream to work in WWE, another person you can look to that it was always their dream to work in WWE is Zack Ryder. And he wasted like 10 years of his career kind of getting buried and then fired. So... <laughs> I don't know if that would help Ricochet to yep. hear that, but if we're being completely honest, I mean, Zack Ryder is like the biggest WWF fanboy of all time. If, especially if you listen to any of the wrestling, the the major was the major marks or major wrestling figure podcast or whatever the hell it is. Um, his podcast. I mean, he talks about growing up and loving WWF so much and how that was his dream job. And now he, he's in a weird situation where he's like, yeah, they just, you know, they give us the tag titles and then fired us. So, <laughs> Um, we won WrestleMania. We won the tag titles in our home state, in our home, and yeah, a year later, whatever the fuck, Zack Ryder. Poor Zack. What the fuck is he doing right now? Uh, Honestly, uh, I think that he's probably just happy to be hanging out with Chelsea Green and doing his podcast, which is doing really, the really well. What the fuck is Chelsea Green doing? I just forgot about her altogether. She got injured. She's still in NXT? Oh, she no. got injured. Yeah, she came up on SmackDown. She had one match on SmackDown and got injured. I think she, like, broke something in her arm. I, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but there was, like, pictures of her and Zach at the hospital. So she's rehabbing an injury right now. But, yeah, she is still signed. Um, just unfortunately for her, she finally got a chance to be on the main roster and then immediately got injured, which that sucks. You don't wish that on anybody. Yeah, well, I hope to see Zach back in some capacity soon. He's he's another person, honestly, with these primetime events and, and NWA. If you wanted to see if 
if he doesn't have a, 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 a exact contract with anyone, put him in a fucking even if he doesn't win the title, put him in a program and build him past this goofy baby face against Nick Aldis for the NWA title, and I think that would give him a lot more presence uh, if they were to do that. I think that helped out uh, Mike Kanellis when he was when he went out and had a great match with Nick Aldis, and uh, you know that's the same person I said Frank Kazarian should be going after in the future. That I I don't know what NWA is doing. That's another one as much because um, I haven't checked out every primetime event because they have a lot of good talent and they have a lot of green, 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 motherfucking green talent on those things too. It's definitely an indie event, but I wish that we got more of a presence of the NWA title in general and also Nick Aldis on something else. I mean, one of the craziest things about Zack Ryder is if you told me after they got fired that I would have seen more of Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins matches than Zack Ryder matches yep. this year, I would have told you you were full of fucking shit. But he's been good in Impact. Uh, really funny in that damn Battle Royal. <laughs> if, with uh, He's a good dick. He is. I, I'm, I'm almost, I almost wonder if Zack Ryder is trying to start his own Fed or something, to be honest. Just keeping on the down low. Whatever he does, great for him. But, you know, just the guy is, I don't know. hes He's got a lot of fucking talent. I like to see him doing more within the industry itself. Yeah, I think he's a good in-ring wrestler. Get rid of the fucking Rough Rider as a finisher, though, because it looks like shit. Always has. But outside of that. I like Zack Ryder. I think that he could easily be utilized somewhere else. Or Matt Cardona, I guess, is what he was going by. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't do more with him in AEW. He, like, Me too. They had that weird debut, and it was just there. And then he had, like, two matches and was out. Like That, that was, to me, was super weird because he's, like, really good friends with both Brandy Rhodes and Cody Rhodes. And he is better than some of the people on that roster. Yep. Uh, but I'm sure I'm sure we'll see more of him soon. Uh, it's just us having to wait as fans to find out what his next move is. But uh, either way, let's move on to one of the last news articles that we have before we go into the uh, the wrestling shows themselves. Unfortunately, Hard to Kill is tonight. I already explained. We went over <laughs> what we thought about the matches, uh, in, in particular the main event. Uh, now there's a new element. Unfortunately, Alex Shelley uh, had to drop out, um, and this is kind of – he had that injury that happened that when they got the title, so they had to take it off of him, and Chris Saban had to do a match by himself, which gave reasoning of why he lost the titles uh, back you know, to the North, who would lose it to the Good Brothers, eventually down the line in Impact. And um, you know he was, he was out of action. They – they took him out, they put him back in, and he was supposed to be at this pay-per-view, Hard to Kill, in a very, very high-profile match, along with his uh, Motor City Machine Gun tag partner, Chris Sabin, and the Impact World Heavyweight Champion, Rich Swan, against Kenny Omega, the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, and the Good Brothers, the Impact Tag Team Champions. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Shelley's not going to be able to make it. Uh, he had this to say. There are certain things in life that are just out of our control, and unfortunately my ability to compete at Hard to Kill has been dropped into that bucket. So on that note, I owe an apology to Chris Saban. I owe one to Rich Swan, I owe one to the fans, and I owe a receipt to the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. I don't like getting beat up by you, but I've accepted 
that that's happened multiple times. I was looking forward to returning the favor. So you'll get that in the mail. You'll keep the yellow copy. Oh, I like that. That's uh, that was pretty good, Alex. But uh, yeah, this sucks. Um, I, I went off on a fan um, on YouTube about this who said that Alex Shelley, this, this is getting ridiculous and happening too often, so therefore he should just retire. And uh, yeah, that's that's definitely your fucking claim to to happen, you schmuck. Um, but yeah, just uh, sucks. Moose is going to be there, which is cool. The quote-unquote TNA World Heavyweight Champion adds another cool element. You got now uh, matching for Gallows more so, I think, than anything. Uh, so that's good. I mean, still a bunch of great wrestlers, but I was really excited about Alex Shelley and Kenny Omega in the ring together. Uh, more so than anything uh, a part of this match. But, you know, it is what it is. What do you think about the statement? What do you think about the change in the match? And uh, what exactly do you think, personally, might have happened with Alex? Is it an injury? Did he get COVID? And they're kind of like going around that. I hate to speculate, but obviously that question is always going to be there right now. It's really hard to say if I would hope with the way that impact has been handling COVID and stuff, they would just be open if he got COVID. Right. But I, I don't yeah, know. For sure. It's just, it's just weird recently because we're finding out, you know, Chris Jericho went through COVID back in December or, or Nick Jackson, where he admitted that happened to him back in September. We we're wondering where they were at. Some wrestlers are kind of hush hush. They isolate themselves and they come back when they're healthy which I don't think it's necessarily our business to know every information about wrestlers, but obviously WWE, I guess, is doing it differently where, you know, we'll talk about Drew McIntyre, but making him tell everyone that he had it, which could cause him to not be in the next pay-per-view. So. Yeah. I mean, well, this would be the same situation though. That would be your, your good out for him not being there. If he did have COVID, right? Like there's nothing you can do about that. That's different than nursing an injury. I think maybe he just came back too quick from his last injury it happens um as far as people saying alex shelley should retire i just want to remind people that alex shelley did retire (laughs) in the wrestling business drug him back in (laughs) to the point where he was having matches with Kushida and wwe was trying to sign him not that long ago um i love alex shelley it's one of my favorites uh, definitely one of my favorite tag teams, Motor City Machine Guns. Anyone who listens to the show knows how much I gush about the Motor City Machine Guns. Moose filling his spot in this match would not have been the way I went. I think maybe I would have tried to get a James Storm or some kind of big name. Not that Moose yeah. is not a, not a big name, but I mean, you just promised people the Motor City Machine Guns versus the Good Brothers, and we're getting, you know, Moose who nothing against Moose. I think he's fine in ring, but that match is not going to be the same. Yeah. I'm assuming they were just trying to pair someone, I guess for gallows within it, but yeah, James storm definitely comes to mind because the last time this happened, who was Chris Saban's tag partner His long adversary, uh, that had plenty of battles with the motion machine guns, James storm. So, yeah, I think that's probably the direction they should have gone. Um, it will be interesting with, with Moose. Who knows? Maybe he can show off some stuff and give himself, I guess, a little more steam. I don't know. I just uh, – it sucks, this uh, shitty situation. I hope if it's a family matter, 
that that Alex gets, you know, over whatever happened um, and everything's okay, you know, and if it's an injury, you know, I hope in the best too and just uh, get better and uh, get back. Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, I, anyone listening out there, I haven't, I like Moose. It's just for what this match was to what it's going to be with Moose there. I'm a, I'm a little disappointed, at least with James Storm, there's some kind of reasoning why he would be thrown into the storyline, but I also understand the impact. This is taped, right? The show is not going to be live. So they probably had a set taping date. So bringing someone in is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world on short notice. If it was something like COVID, like if he tested positive for COVID like three days before they recorded hard to kill, well, you know, that's not a lot of time to go get a James Storm. No, it isn't. So I guess uh, we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be on tonight, Chris. So we'll uh, definitely be checking that out. But um, let's go on to the last uh, note of news. I guess you, you would say it's our raw recap, uh, mainly over the storyline involving Randy Orton. Uh, Randy was supposed to go against Drew McIntyre. That was also talked about on this and then had a little promo himself, the champion. Drew McIntyre got COVID, so he was out. Um, really great baby face promo, man. Uh, I guess you could even say Hulk Hogan-esque in the 80s of, you know, telling everyone not to be scared of the virus, but make sure that you you isolate yourself and get better. I thought that WWE actually did pretty good with that with Drew. It's unfortunate. Royal Rumble's coming up soon, man. Um, let's see the date for Royal Rumble for 2021, uh, is, uh, January 31st. So they don't have a lot of time for Drew to get over it. Usually there's a two week period of isolation after you get over the virus itself. So he said he's still going against Goldberg, called him out. Um, and they had to implement something different, uh, with Triple H coming out. He was going to make an announcement that he never made, which, I love these uh, what-if scenarios. What was he going to say? Uh, Randy Orton came, wanted him if uh, Drew was not going to be there. Uh, great back and forth. Really kind of, I hate to say, making a lot of the other talent on the product look and underwhelming with the promos delivered by Randy and Triple H, who have all this history. They had a pretty damn good match, and then it was interrupted by... Alexa Bliss and a fireball that Jerry the King Lawler taught her how to do probably 20 minutes before the show. Um, interesting. Didn't really need to bring the Bray Wyatt into it this week, but whatever. I guess that might have been what they were going to do when he was going against Drew to begin with. So just stick to the plan. But uh, yeah, Triple H still got it, man. <laughs> In the ring and on the mic. Uh, you know, I don't mind him still being the guy that's, you know, break glass. At least we can get Hunter to go into something. Sucks with Drew. I hope, obviously, he gets better. He seemed well in the video. Uh, I'm sure his immune system is pretty good. So we'll see him back. But can he make it for the Royal Rumble, Chris? That I don't know. And I think that was probably the Triple H announcement that if Drew's not going to be back, it's going to be Triple H versus Goldberg, I would assume. Yeah. Because they're going to pay Goldberg regardless if he has a match or not, because he does the Brock Lesnar appearance thing. So that date's already booked. They're going to be paying Goldberg <laughs> whether he's there or not on the card. So I'm assuming, you know, like you said, break glass in case of emergency. Um, yeah, I, I I would assume that's what they were going to do. They could have gotten Matt Riddle 
versus Goldberg, the fight we all actually want to see. That would be <laughs> that would have been great. No, I, all joking aside, I mean, Bro. I think I think they handled it as good as they could. I mean, they booked this big match, and and I'm not a goal, I'm not a huge Goldberg fan, as everyone knows that listens to the show, but it is a big match to some fans, right? Goldberg versus Drew McIntyre, two big names, big men in there slapping meat, as Biggie would say. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't even think WWE knows. From everything we know about, from what we've heard from other wrestlers that have COVID, it depending on your symptoms, it can kill your cardio. So I don't even know what they're going to do if Drew's able to have this match against the already very limited Goldberg. But if that's the case, I would suggest you get Paul Heyman involved in that thing very quickly and not make it go any longer than two to three minutes. And also be a hundred percent sure that Drew is good because like, isn't Goldberg like 40, 50 years old or something? Oh, he's in his fifties. Yeah. So I would be <laughs> that that's the other caveat to this is you need to make sure that Drew's completely over this thing because you're going to have 54. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's an added element to it also. Um, I don't know. I probably just would just have Hunter. I, I didn't like the fact that Drew was going to be in a match with Goldberg anyways. So, <laughs> you know, if Hunter takes a loss to Goldberg, it's not going to matter. Right. And then if you want to do the Goldberg match against Drew McIntyre at Elimination Chamber or something, you just do it there or you save it for down the line. It will make me mad, though, that Triple H has, would lose again to Goldberg, but he couldn't put over fucking Sting. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, but that was because of interference. See, we had to get the NWO and DX involved to make it like the Monday Night Wars. And understandably so, uh, you know. Sting wasn't a part of the NWO. He actually went against him. But uh, it made sense. And I have a sledgehammer. He's got a baseball bat. Fuck him. Very style. Do you think that the fans would be happier if Triple H just shovel-styled Goldberg? I don't really care in that situation. I, I'd want him to shovel-style Goldberg. <laughs> like, uh, who is the uh, who is the who are the fans left that are huge Goldberg people? I mean, they're there, obviously, because he does yep. pop. Well, we say he popped a rating, but he was a surprise on the last Monday Night Raw. People didn't even know he was there. So they, they could have just been watching for Ric Flair and Hogan, for all I know. But um, Do you think, though, I mean, this this kind of comes down to it. This goes back to what we've talked about many times, Chris. Raw, uh, they didn't have Drew McIntyre. They put in Triple H. I don't remember anything else that happened on that fucking show besides the fact that Triple H was going against Randy Orton. And it's Randy Orton. And it's Triple H, you know what I'm saying? They're both legends. Well, one's technically the legend killer, but you know what I'm fucking saying. Well, I mean, the booking on that show is atrocious right now. And your top Does, does anyone care about Raw, basically, is what I'm trying to say, other than, you know, this situation where all of a sudden they implement Triple H real quick into it? I think people like the Hurt Business. They like that storyline. No one gives a shit about Retribution, which they heavily focus the show around. They have Asuka and Charlotte Flair working two brands, so they don't have like a concisive storyline for either of those. Oh, yeah. Rick Flair fucked over um, Charlotte and might be getting uh, you know, some, some playtime with Lacey, with Lacey Evans. Apparently. Yes, which is hilarious. <laughs> that How is, is a very Rick Flair thing to do. 
Yeah, like Charlotte should not be surprised. The man's been married like 17 times. Of course, he was distraught by the very, very attractive Lacey Evans. Uh, <laughs> that just makes sense. Uh, yeah, so they did that in the storyline. But you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, their, their heavyweight champion is facing Goldberg, who hasn't been on the product in like eight months because he challenged Reigns and then Reigns left because of COVID concerns, if I'm remembering correctly, on the you last are. time we saw Goldberg. So that's the best thing you have for Drew McIntyre to do is to face a 175-year-old Goldberg with no buildup. So that that's what the title picture looks like on Raw <laughs> right now. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like, if the memorable stuff is situations with Randy Orton, Triple H, Ric Flair, and Goldberg, what does that say about you? the way that you handle your roster right now? Yeah. And, and this is not Drew McIntyre's fault at all. No, not at all. You know, that's, their top storyline is Orton and The Fiend. That's what they think is the top storyline that should be heavily shown on that show. And by all accounts, I don't know that there's anyone out there that is still – backing this thing at this point and if they are i hit me at at chris r Patton on twitter and tell me why because i'd be very curious this has been terrible so far and we've already seen orton and bray have several matches and that's not going to be good either yep i agree but let's move on from raw before we go into smackdown then we'll go over the wednesday night stuff uh i saw on twitter that Mr. Ricky Morton, another legend, decided to put over uh, one of the wrestlers I like over in Impact Wrestling. He said, uh, at All Ego, uh, Ethan Page, I came across uh, a tag match of yours on YouTube, and it was very solid uh, psychology teamwork and entertaining the crowds. Keep up the hustle, Ethan Page. So thank you, Ricky Morton, for still taking time to go and tell wrestlers uh, that you appreciate their work. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Just wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> He's probably trying to set up a tag match with Ethan Page. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants Ethan to take a fucking Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> that's, I love uh, Ricky no, that's great. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, that is really cool. I, I ever tell you about my one conversation with Ethan Page? <laughs> no. You had a conversation uh, with him? Yeah, on via, well, via Twitter. There was like, I was like, the music's too loud on this video. He did something with the major wrestling figures podcast or whatever. And I was like, the audio is too loud on this video. I couldn't hear Dick all. And he's like, Oh, sorry, bud. I'll correct it next time. <laughs> and I was like, no worries. And then like, there was like a five. He was like, what else could I get better at? <laughs> it got really weird. I was like, man, <laughs> I, I expected all ego to uh, slay me when I saw that he had responded to my comment about the bad audio. Man, he's usually MJF about it. He's usually a dick to people, just for whatever reason. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was getting at. Is I expected like when I when I saw him reply, I was like, oh shit, I'm about to get buried. But no, he was like, oh, thanks, bud. <laughs> so, good guy, all ego, Ethan Page, who I think is AEW bound. Um, yeah, I do too. More than uh, I've said this before. I think he's the modern Tully Blanchard. You can come at me if you have a problem with that. But um, let's move on. SmackDown. I wanted to start off with this uh, tweet from Roman Reigns that he did earlier in the week, kind of uh, setting up SmackDown. 
uh, basically Adam Pierce made a video of his last ditch efforts for Roman Reigns. And this was a response. My show, my locker room, my legacy, my decisions. Shut your mouth. Show up to work. Catch the ass beating. I fucking love Roman Reigns, Chris. Yes. <laughs> Roman Reigns is kind of the best right now. But uh, according to Sports Illustrated, he's only the eighth best wrestler. Sasha Banks is number one, dog. Oh, my God. Jim Cornette broke that the fuck down. Almost had a tangent. And I kind of agreed with him with a lot of it. He's like, like, he basically even said, like, with Moxley, he's like, he's not a fan of Moxley's matches. But how the fuck did she even beat him? You know, she had a better year than 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 Bailey. Come on. Bailey had a way better year than Sasha. And I like Sasha a lot. Bailey wins best female wrestler in the PWI out of like a has a title for over a year. <laughs> she actually did a successful heel turn. She was one of the most entertaining things about a COVID no crowd fucking SmackDown and Raw when she was on it. She had the tag team belts and the title at the same time. She started finally her healing and going against Sasha Banks. They had an awesome match at Hell in the Cell, but Sasha did better than everyone. Sasha has done dick all since winning that title, too, if we're being completely honest. One against Carmella. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the five-star match we were all looking for. (laughs) God, it's a joke. Sports Illustrated. Yeah, Roman Yeah, they did. They did used to have integrity. That's true. I I don't know, man. You should have had like four or five people help you decide on that list. Um, I didn't I, like I did listen to Cornette's breakdown of it. And obviously with Omega being on it, that was the majority of <laughs> his tangent. But he was also don't you bad. love it? Like, don't you love it? Whenever he brings up Omega, uh, whenever he brings up like, you know, uh, politics, Brian Last's always like, all right, can we get the conversation away from that? I don't know how many I like- times I, I have to hear Brian Last go. Well, I don't dislike Kenny Omega as much as you, obviously. I've actually liked him in certain match. He's got to present that to Jim Cornette, said Jim doesn't have a conniption, basically. And I love Jim, but that's like we were talking about. Just same thing with Brian. Well, actually, Alvarez and Metzler have a different, a way different re- uh, relationship. I feel like sometimes Alvarez wants to actually say, fuck you, Dave, when they're actually talking about stuff, where Brian's like, all right, let's calm down. Take a Tums. You'll be all right, Jim. Yeah, no, Alvarez just like when he finally does go off, he goes off and then he bitches about it for three days on his other shows. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Brian, Brian last he stood up for Kota Ibushi being on that list, which was surprising because Jim was like, isn't he one of those doll boys? And he's like, he's a very good wrestler, Jim. <laughs> That's because Brian likes New Japan and Jim seems only like. I think he's only seen Okada, basically. He just kind of... Uh, Naito? Who the hell is that? Like, he's, a, he's a good wrestler. Ishii? What the fuck? God damn it, Jim. <laughs> if you, if you uh, listen to that podcast and take a drink every time he makes a South Park reference, you'll get a good buzz going by the end of it. Yeah, I love that, actually. <laughs> he's a weird cat, man. I'd love to meet him, but he'd probably be a dick, which I kind of would expect. I don't know, man. I'm sure he, I'm sure he's a really nice guy to his fans. There's probably a reason why he has such a fucking following, right? Yeah, and, that is a good point. And also, you would kind Charlie of... Let's Charlie in Starkville, and then he's... 
<laughs> yeah, but maybe he's met Charlie and that's just part of the <laughs> part part of the stick, you know. Also, like, you know, if Jim Cornette's a dick to you, I, I, I would almost rather Jim Cornette be a dick to me if I met him. Yeah. It gets fitting, right? I want to see the gimmick. I want MJF to tell me <laughs> off. You know? I don't know. After hearing what he did to Simper Vivi, I don't know that my body is ready. God, that was pretty fucking hilarious. All right, well, uh, let's let's actually move into SmackDown now. Um, so basically, we're gonna start with uh, you know, Paul Heyman talking to Roman Reigns. He's whispering in his ear. I love how he does that. Like he's still like, even though he's on obviously camera. And he's not really whispering. Everyone can hear what he's saying. It's like he's this evil person trying to influence Roman Reigns and telling him that he's not happy with the idea of the contract and that he thinks basically, you know, Adam Pierce needs to have a different way of, of uh, you know, learning his lesson, so to speak, and that he's going to present a different concept to Adam Pierce that we'd find out would be an extreme rules match. And we'll get to what happens afterwards when Roman's not happy with that stipulation. But great intro. Jay's about to go against Shinsuke Nakamura. They set that up. And just another situation where not only is Paul Heyman so great, Chris, but Roman Reigns, just by facial expressions, is able to express so much in this opening segment, I feel. By the time Paul Heyman retires, is he going to be considered the greatest manager of all time if you look at like his entire career? He said that he's he's been presented. Jim Cornette's the same way. They both say, uh, you, I can take second place after Bobby Heenan. That's fine with me. But I think technically he might have to be. I mean, really, all the people he's fucking influenced and managed over the years, from RVD to Steve Austin back when he was in you know the Dangerous Alliance to fucking Brock Lesnar to Roman Reigns. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Rick Rude. Yeah, I mean the man's obviously we're CM watching Punk. we're we're watching a living legend, right? So the only person that's had anything negative to say about Paul Heyman is Ryback, and no one gives a shit about him. So uh, <laughs> at least as far as being a manager goes, uh, I think Paul Heyman has been great, and he has shown a different character than what I expected him to show uh, when they first put him with Roman. He is a swarmy cocky little asshole lawyer-esque character when he needs to be but he also is able to sell the fact that he is terrified of roman reigns and that has been great and he's been and sell the fact that he is terrified of what roman reigns is currently capable of even more so than brock lesnar who is the size of a fucking mac truck yeah i have to agree with you so we had a match with Jey Uso going against Shinsuke Nakamura. And, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Cesaro. Cesaro came out during the match, was on commentary. It seems in all ways they're setting up Shinsuke for a big, bigger storyline, uh, getting involved in stuff. He, he beat Jey in a pretty damn good match. This is some of the best work that I've seen Nakamura. It seems like he's into it, which is good to see. When you have people like Adolf Ziggler, and I, I, there's so many countless others, you can tell when they don't – Randy Orton, that's another good person. When they don't give a fuck and they're just going through emotions and when they're they're more into whatever's going on, 
I have to say, if you went back to the old music to represent him as a babyface, I understand maybe you were, you know, you didn't have as much times. We need to go back to the old entrance. We need the whole entire fucking thing because it really helped. Just like Bobby Roode, just like a lot of people, Finn Balor, it helped the presentation altogether. I love Shinsuke. I don't think he's the best in the ring or anything like that, but he's definitely, he's definitely gotten older. You know, I mean, that's not really his fucking fault. It's he's been wrestling since I think 2000 when he was in the uh, the dojo over New Japan uh, when they were getting him and Shibata and Tanahashi to be the three biggest guys within their company going against Brock Lesnar as a fucking uh, a young, young wrestler just on the scene uh, over in New Japan. But Shinsuke had a good match. He beat Jey Uso and Cesaro came in very excited about his win. Um, more stuff with Cesaro later, but I feel like we have babyface Shinsuke back, and if he's not in the title picture now, they're trying to get him ready and primed for being one of the top guys within the future, which I think is a good idea. I hated how much they rose him and how he just fucking completely deteriorated with one dick shot to AJ Styles with a dumb heel turn when he lost at WrestleMania. But that shit was hilarious. <laughs> they should have kept that going. No, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, so I here's an honest question for you. I love that they're pushing Nakamura, but I am wondering if they're pushing Nakamura because his contract is about to be up. Because he signed when NXT like how long ago did he win the NXT championship? That was when Samoa Joe was there in NXT. Yeah. So 2017. So if his contract is about to be up, they see the fact that the bullet it, – it's just funny that all of these things just happen to line up together. So the Bullet Club is getting back together. Do you think there's any – and this is more speculation than anything because we haven't heard anything about Nakamura wanting to leave. Um, but do you think that they're worried someone might offer him a larger contract to come in to their company? Let's say like an AEW I think that, yeah, if that's the case, uh, yeah, man, because if you think about it, Nakamura is a big enough name, <laughs> I would say, that if he leaves, the two companies that I feel like, not, I mean, they're, they're, they're not going to be able to threaten them to any larger extent, I don't think, as of yet, but they have to be New Japan and definitely AEW, who's over on the U.S. soil, and I think... You know, unlike we were even more so than Ricochet, basically, if Shinsuke was up on the market, uh, they would try to grab him. AEW would definitely want to have Shinsuke Nakamura a part of that. He could stay over here since he lives here and he's made a life over here. Uh, and they're based in Florida as well, which I'm pretty sure is where he lives. But the whole concept in New Japan, he's a legend. They put him right to the fucking top as well. Uh, and his family lives over there. He's obviously from Japan. So, yeah, those two companies, I feel like, would be trying to fucking get him. And they could be trying to, you know, balance the next contract in WWE based on possible offers from other companies. And he's just trying to figure out what's the best thing for him. I think he loves being a part of WWE. I don't think he's someone that I would have loved to have seen him with the WWE championship. Uh, I don't think that would happen in the future, but I think he'd still be a top guy in that company. Um but if that's all you're going and then you're like, you know what, fuck it. I don't want to just end here. I kind of want to just be able to put some more accomplishments. Let me see what's out there. 
and you have your old home and you also have the biggest company outside of WWE, you know, possibly fighting for the ability to sign you. Yeah, I think Nakamura has some choices and I think that he has probably some of the biggest choices because of how much of an impact he's made on the industry. Yeah, it's just it it's too much of a coincidence for me that they re, they start reforming the Bullet Club, which we kind of all knew was going to happen when Kenny and Don Callis became a thing. And now we're getting this Shinsuke push randomly. I mean, it's possible that this all just fell afoot. But if you go back to FTR, when they were ready to leave the company, they promised them this big push. The same thing when and when Anderson Gallows re-signed. They promised them this big push. So I, I'm kind of curious on... We haven't heard anything about Shinsuke's contract in a long time, as far as I'm aware, and the internet rumors go and, and other sources, etc. I haven't heard anyone talk about Shinsuke as far as contract goes, just other than he's happy living in Florida. But if he's just happy living in Florida, like, you know, Jacksonville's not that far away from fucking Tampa, <laughs> if yep. I'm being completely honest. And they could easily bring him in and do you know, Omega versus Nakamura, who's the real leader of the Bullet Club. He could go back to Japan if he wanted to with Tanahashi. I'm I, I'm just wondering if this is a little bit of gaslighting on WWE's part. I think that it definitely might be. But either way, if, if that's going to happen, I'm glad that he's in a top spot right now within WWE uh, until whatever happens. So I'm just wondering how long until Cesaro turns on him? Whew. I don't know. Because they seem like they're building this respect concept between him and Daniel Bryan, and Cesaro's like the odd man out. You know, he's still a bad guy. Shinsuke doesn't even have the bad guy music anymore. It's a weird one because I don't know that Cesaro works as a heel in WWE at this point. Like, I don't know what you could do to make Cesaro a heel. Even when he was with the bar, he didn't. He, I, he never portrayed a heel character very well. And part of that is just WWE. Like, he's been a cocky asshole heel as Claudio before. Um, I Cesaro is another weird guy that strangely is starting to get more of a push after years and years of fans decrying that he should be higher on the card. Maybe SmackDown is just getting really good. And is about to have like a very big boom period. <laughs> let's let's hope that is the case. I I don't know, man. Um, I if it was me personally, I would just split these guys far away from each other as possible. I, I'm sure that Cesaro and Brian are going to have more matches. But if Nakamura is going to be in the title picture, he doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with them right now. Yeah, it's just interesting. All right, let's keep on going on the show. Um, this was, a, a, I guess, a unique situation. Our next match had Liv Morgan going against Natalia. Um, the week before, Billy Kay asked if she could be a part of the Riot Squad with Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan, and they told her to fuck off. Well, this week they come out, and she's all buddy-buddy uh, with them. And uh, trying to look the part. I got to say, I will give Billy Kay the fact that she's entertaining. When she was on commentary, it was funny. 
you know, but she basically cost to live the match, uh, running away from Tamina, getting in the ring, and uh, Natalia was able to roll up Liv Morgan. They had a pretty damn good match. Liv has been training with Natalia for the last year. I believe she disclosed on her last um, documentary on uh, WWE. So obviously, if you're working with your teacher on something that you've probably done before, that it's uh, you know it's it's gonna help out. So uh, this is whatever. I'm trying to be nice about it. It wasn't look. It wasn't raw terrible. I'll, I'll say that it's progressing. It's progressing some storylines. I feel like most almost every aspect on SmackDown, they just do a better job than Raw. And it's not just the three hours versus two hours. Just it seems like even even the crappier things like like something like this, it's still entertaining <laughs> more so than when Raw tries to pull it off. Um, what do you think, Chris? No, I'd agree with you there. Uh, I, I you know, the match itself was fine. It was only like a five minute match, so. You can only expect so much from it, but it continues the storyline. I have no problem with Billy Kay kind of being the geek that wants to hang out with the cool kids, so to speak. I think there's some stuff you can do there. Obviously, I don't think this is a storyline that's going to pay off on a pay-per-view, though. You know what I mean? So this is just like, here's an opening match, and there's a storyline between why these people should be wrestling. And if that's the case, that's fine. It was fine. It's not like egregious or anything, basically. But, uh, yeah. All right, let's move on to another interesting concept, I guess. This is probably going to lead to try to use King Corbin as a way to get Dominic a bit more over. But um, Rey Mysterio was pissed off about Corbin last week and his insults, so they had a match. And, uh, yeah, you know, he was calling out Dominic the whole entire time. Dominic was saying that Rey asked him not to get involved in the match not to do anything. Uh, basically, uh, he just kept on getting more and more pissed off, and Corey Graves was doing a good job feeding him to make Dominic kind of get more aggravated about what was going on, the fact that, you know, Ray was getting comebacks, but Corbin was was uh, getting him down. There was a really cool spot, actually. He always is a, I, I will give this for Corbin or whoever helps him out with these matches. He's always able to get the deep six or uh, his 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 real finisher, uh, man, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but just out of nowhere. He got a deep six off of Ray coming to do the 619, caught him, spun it around, uh, but it would be the end of the match. So basically the bigger and stronger, more ferocious Corman dominated with action, pummeling Mysterio for the majority of the match. Commentators Michael Cole and Corey Graves even asked Dominic how he could sit by and just watch. The third-generation star cited his father wished him not to get involved in the match. Mysterio created a uh, separation and set up for the 6-9, but Corbin caught him with a deep six. The action spilled to the floor where Corbin blasted Dominic back in the ring. The young star attempted to defend himself, but Corbin sent Rey Mysterio into his son and then finished him off with the end of days. That's his finisher. Corbin would win, and in the back, basically, Rey was... Frustrated with Dominic for getting involved in the match and causing him it and saying, how the hell are you going to get try to get involved with someone putting over Corbin, but someone of his caliber, someone that dangerous uh, when you're with your lack of experience. So uh, I guess we're going to get more of this, Chris. Don't know how I feel about that. It's just weird knowing that he was completely fine with Dominic going against Seth Rollins, who, if you talk about experience and titles, <laughs> He was fine with that, but not 
Baron Corbin. Uh, to me, they're setting up Dominic versus Rey Mysterio. That's what I gathered from the storyline. Am I? I mean, I thought the match itself was fine. In today's always looks awesome. I'm surprised more people haven't stolen that move. Uh, and the deep six always looks, you know, great. It was fine. I think Baron Corbin could use a refresh or a reset or to go away for a little bit um, and come back. Because right now he is just, he's like a gatekeeper heel. You know what I mean? He's kind of like what Kane was for a while in Kane's later years. It's like, well, we don't know what to do, so I guess we'll put him against Kane. <laughs> so uh, with you bringing up Damian Priest, potentially, if, if he's going to end up on SmackDown, might not be the worst thing in the world to send Baron Corbin to NXT for a while or just have him take a break or switch brands or something. I, I don't know. Uh, and get rid of the King gimmick. King of the Ring was like almost two years ago at this point. It's very, very true. Very, very true. So hold on, guys. Bleacher Report decided to cut off suddenly right after that match and not give me the rest of the fucking breakdown. So I'm <laughs> catching up. So, well, real quick, uh, how do you feel about that storyline? Do you think that uh, that they're building to actually, you know, Ray versus Dominic? Because that's kind of how the vibe I got out of it is that Ray is going to continuously be the hard-nosed father until the son rebels. Rebels. I don't think it has to be like Hill versus Babyface or anything, but. That seems like where they're going, to me at least. Yeah, I uh, I could totally see that. Especially, all right, say that Dominic pulls some shit against Baron Corbin and not necessarily out heels him, but they have that maybe like next week on SmackDown or the week after that, and he starts doing some devious shit because he's pissed off about Corbin. He does basically whatever to get the win, and Ray does not approve because he's such a pure babyface. That could be an easy way to set that up. And I love them. I mean, it would have to take a while to build up to it, but that would be pretty cool for Ray if he was able to go against his son at one of the nights of WrestleMania this year. Um, that could be a big match for him to be able to put up, put over his son in that type of way if they wanted to. Yeah, and we don't know how much Ray has left in the tank either. If you're going to retire, would, you know, what better would it... What... What better night to do it than on WrestleMania losing to your son or something? You know what I mean? Like that, I could just see them doing that. Yep, I definitely agree with you. All right, we heard from the Street Profits, uh, who are always fun and entertaining. They uh, they still think that they've they've got it, if you will, you know. And uh, we're we're starting this process with them going after the tag titles as baby faces, which. I'm I'm excited about. It. I like I like what Dolph and Bobby have developed themselves into, kind of almost like a Midnight Express-ish type of uh, you know villain team. Uh, I like them with the belts. I like the concept we talked about with the Usos coming back. This is all building to Mania. Street Profits have to be involved in that. So even if it's just a small segment, I like them being you know within the whole entire thing. We also saw Adam Pearce, like I said, get involved with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman presenting it to him as an ODQ. Adam Pierce shaking his head like, what the hell? Signing it. Roman's not happy with that, Chris. Roman wants fucking uh, Heyman to make it a last man standing. And still, very hesitant, Adam Pierce uh, is willing to do that. So uh, how do you feel about both those segments? 
Adam Pierce is gonna die. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> that would be a crazy. That would be crazy. They just write him off the show. <laughs> gets roman murders him uh i like both the segments street profits like i said to me this is good for them because i feel like the fans will be more invested in them chasing the title um not necessarily just holding it for a long period of time so i like everything they're doing and earlier i said i don't think there's anyone in the roster that can do what ricochet is able to do i take that back because montez ford is a fucking athletic freak um so i would put him in that list too Oh, yeah. He is a fucking freak. Um, we got a new show. It's called the Ding Dong Hello Show with Bailey. I like the uh, Saturday Night Live style uh, music to build it up. Her and her little Harry Potter outfit that Michael Cole would uh, make comment of. Basically, it was a way to get Bianca Belair in there, uh, who she makes ring the doorbell. I like Bianca being like, Bailey, you just saw me enter. You know who this is. Like, she's not playing around. And, uh, you know, Bianca, they start talking about the EST, and Bianca explains that whole thing. And she's like, how can you be the greatest? How can you be this, this, and this when I beat you? And basically, you know, I've had the title for over a year. I've won every title in every division. You know, I've had the tag titles. What have you done? And it gets heated between the two of them. And it looks like we're still going with the two of them going against each other. And I have to say, I think Bailey is in a good position to help Bianca get to the next level within uh, WWE on SmackDown. So uh, I liked all this. Um, yeah, you know, it wasn't for all the fucking things they do like this. Bailey actually, I think, can pull it off, which I don't think I would ever say, say, a year ago. Yeah, I like the idea of Bianca versus bailey and and the storyline's been fine so far the ding dong hello thing i'm not super <laughs> sold on as a catchphrase this seems like a catchphrase she should have had when she was a baby face like i, I don't know it's just a know. bit it's a bit weird i did really love when she was on austin's podcast or whatever and he was doing what and then she was going ding dong hello for like 10 minutes that shit was funny <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty good. But uh yeah, uh like I said, I'm I'm interested. All right, so I, next... I'm just happy I'm I mean more than anything, I'm happy that they're finally doing something with Bianca Belair who I thought was completely wasted for like a year and a half. So <laughs> if this yeah. is going to lead to her getting a title shot against Sasha, that should be a great match. And Bailey is Right now, I mean, Bailey doesn't need titles or really anything. I think that she is, to me, as far as SmackDown goes, she is the gatekeeper of the women's division. Yep. It's a good point. All right, well, Daniel Bryan, uh, he's training backstage uh, with Chad Gable and Otis for um, the match coming up with Cesaro. Bryan is asked about his training with them, and he says that he loves training with them because of how motivated they are. Kayla Braxton asks if Brian's loss to Shinsuke was a blow to Daniel's uh, confidence. Daniel says that he has nothing but respect for Shinsuke, and he thinks that Nakamura feels the same way about him. Cesaro came into the picture and interrupts and says that Brian doesn't speak for Shinsuke because Brian isn't Shinsuke's friend, but Cesaro is. Cesaro says that Shinsuke was just shaking Brian's hand last week out of pity. Cesaro then makes fun of the Alpha Academy training style. Uh, Brian gets in Cesaro's face, and that sets up their match. 
Um, and that was uh, next. And they had an awesome match. Uh, I was kind of, uh, I mean, I'm happy for Cesaro, but he went against Daniel Bryan. So I was like, whoa. So towards the end of it, Bryan sets Cesaro on the top rope. Bryan goes for a Hurricane Rana, but Cesaro blocks and hits a vertical suplex on Bryan from the top. Cesaro pins Bryan for a two count. Cesaro picks up Bryan and goes for the gotch neutralizer. Bryan blocks it and tries to a backslider on Cesaro for the pin. Bryan kicks Cesaro in the head, and both men fall to the mat. Bryan runs at Cesaro, but Cesaro pops Bryan up into an uppercut and then hits him with the neutralizer and pins him, uh, the winner, Cesaro. And throughout the course of the match, there was a time period when Daniel Bryan was outside of the ring. Uh, he had, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Cesaro up next to the ring post, and he was kicking him in the head. He got two of them, and then Cesaro moved, and he just nailed the post with his leg, so he was selling that. And Cesaro basically took out the speed from Daniel Bryan throughout the course of the match uh, by going after his legs. And a uh, big win for Cesaro. Still curious on where this is going with him, Shinsuke, and Daniel Bryan going onward. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy Cesaro got a win, but is it weird that I'm not happy that he beat Daniel Bryan, Chris? No, not at all. I mean, I, I don't think that's odd. It's the big thing that this match kind of made me wonder about is I kind of had my chips on Daniel Bryan winning the Royal Rumble. And now I feel like they're setting these guys up to be in the Elimination Chamber match, which means Daniel Bryan is not winning the Royal Rumble. So that's the big <laughs> the bigger question that came out to me, because like with with the way they're building the story you would assume that it's going to be Shinsuke, Daniel Bryan, uh, Cesaro, Kevin Owens, and maybe Big E versus Roman, or however you want to figure that out in, in the elimination chamber. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it is an odd way, especially with Daniel Bryan taking a loss. Cause you feel like they're going to continue that. And if he just wins at Rumble in two weeks, then the Cesaro and Nakamura stuff doesn't matter at all. But I'm also trying to use logical booking in WWE. It's just SmackDown's been very good lately, so maybe the long-term plan is not Daniel Bryan versus Reigns at Mania. Maybe they have a card up their sleeve. Maybe like a like a Roman Reigns or a John Cena or something. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. I'm definitely starting to believe that you're right, though, with Daniel Bryan. I guess unless he wins uh, the Royal Rumble or they make the Elimination Chamber like a number one contender, you know, for Roman, if a raw person wins a Rumble, I guess, then Daniel can be one of those people that just somehow, like he does, defeats the odds and wins. But right now I'm, I'm seeing more of a... Uh, Especially with Big E, maybe like a big, you know, we talked about ladder matches, but some type of big match involving Big E, Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke, Cesaro, maybe Apollo, like some of the bigger guys for the IC title. Or maybe just having a one-on-one match with Nakamura. I don't know. Yeah, it's just the way they're booking this, it just makes me think they're building Elimination Chamber, not the Rumble winner. Which would make me think that hell is Edge healthy. 
On this day. Yeah, does does Edge win the fucking Rumble and go against Roman? I don't know. Because they're going to have Bray and Randy until Mania. I have a feeling. <laughs> That's probably a good feeling. Uh, so, you know, they're not going to go right. I mean, if Edge is healthy, that would be someone. John Cena is another person. If he wanted to come in and do something, he could have the Mania match. Uh, I mean, The Rock would be the greatest, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not that sold that they would be able to get him to do Rumble <laughs> again. Uh, I don't know, man. It's interesting, but it, when we talked about this last week, I was kind of hard sold on Daniel Bryan being the guy versus Roman at Mania, and maybe that's still going to happen. But this storyline dictates more of these are going to be some guys in the Elimination Chamber and then possibly feud for the IC title or have some kind of ladder match, match, like you were saying, at Mania. Oh, and Sammy's another person definitely uh, involved in that whole entire picture. But uh, anyways, before we get to that match um, with Apollo Crews, backstage, Kayla Braxton interviews Carmella. And Carmella is breaking down uh, Sasha and how that she pinned her, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And then Carmella comes in there, goes right after her, gets in her face. The concierge um, gets gets between the two of them. And uh, she says that she's going to have a match to Carmella and finally just get rid of her. But before that, she's going to have a match with her concierge next week. Are you excited about that, Chris? The fuck? Dumbest thing on the whole. Who's the con- Who's the concierge? <laughs> Just some I random can't... geek. It's he's a wrestler. Uh, his name is Ragnald. Uh, for the storyline, I don't know where they fucking pulled that name out of. Um, but yeah, I guess. I'm sorry, but like you know, part of me's like, all he has to do is just like punch her one in the face, you know. But you don't want that uh, on your television. Uh, yeah, you don't want that. And also, if you're a guy trying to break into the wrestling industry, you don't necessarily want to get twisted up by Sasha Banks in a squash match, which is what's going to happen. Yep. <laughs> um, maybe you call in James Ellsworth to play this role. See you if you like Drake mean? will do it. Yeah. <laughs> what's Rockstar Spud doing? Yeah, Rockstar Spud will <laughs> definitely do it. Absolutely, I'll fucking do it. Uh, since they killed him on NXT, they might as well have made him the concierge. Uh, I don't know. I feel bad for this guy because you know that's a squash match. This segment was whatever. I uh, Sasha's run as champion so far has been very lackluster. And I don't think this uh, feud with Carmella has helped it at all. No. Coming off a hot match with Bailey and going directly into a feud with Carmella, whose heel turn is I wear dark clothes now, uh, <laughs> did not help it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we had a um, we had uh, what the hell? Kayla Braxton. She was. Oh, or, or, we already went through that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, so we had a clip for the match with Sammy and Apollo Crews. With Paul Heyman from last week's uh, Talking Smack giving a pep talk to Apollo Crews. Um, and also, earlier in the night, Roman was talking to him. So it looks like they are positioning uh, Apollo Crews as a heel. And I think that I, I haven't seen the newest one from last night, but I think that Talking Smack with Paul Heyman has helped everyone. The show itself, Kayla as a host, and every person they bring on there, especially ones that he has like these little talks with, 
Paul just elevates a lot of stuff. He had a match with Sami Zayn. I love Sami. He's another one that I think that finally in the last like year has somehow as a heel really found himself uh, as a character on the show. And uh, Big E uh, decided to tell them to keep the uh, the couch from the from the Bailey segment uh, next to the announce table and just lounged with the fruit cup while watching Apollo and Sammy uh, go for a number one contender match. And uh, the, the big thing is at the end of it, Sammy tried to roll up Apollo. He pulled on the tights to get a better grip, and the referee saw it and stopped the count before he got a three count. And just for Apollo to do the exact same uh, to him, um, wonderfully showing us Sammy's butt crack, but whatever, um, but pinned him. And won the match and then started talking shit basically to Big E. Um, you know, I think that may be a heel turn. It doesn't always work. Just, all right, he's not getting over his baby face. Let's make him a heel. But, you know, certain situations, <coughs> Roman Reigns, uh, it has proved that maybe it can, uh, Sami Zayn, it can reinvigorate their, their character. So, Sami got screwed. And it looks like Big E's got both of them. Uh, in his future, but Apollo is coming much closer. How'd you like this match? And uh, how do you like this new side of Apollo Crews? Well, we, we talked about it a little bit on the last uh, last week's show. I, I do like the fact they're turning Apollo Crews heel. He needs something different that takes you out of the mindset. This is the guy that lost a bazillion matches in a row. So it's good that they're giving him wins and even like false finishes against the champion to build up a match between him and B. E. That should be really fun. It should help Apollo Crews with his heel turn because Big E's like one of the best baby faces they have. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm all for this. As far as Sami Zayn, I, Sami Zayn didn't need a heel turn. He just needed to be booked better. <laughs> he was perfectly fine as a fucking baby face in NXT. They just fucked him up. Or when he, you know, went against John Cena injured and almost won the United States champion. Like, he was a huge baby face. WWE just fucked that guy over. That's... Yeah, that's a booking thing. With Roman, they pushed him as a babyface for far too long, and he's obviously just a better heel. No, but you will you say that you haven't liked Sami Zayn as a heel? No, but I like Sami Zayn in general. I think he could be good at either role. In fact, I don't know that they're not making him a babyface by having him take all these very weird losses. To Conspiracy. Make him sympathetic. He's got. I, I love the fucking video crew that he has, documenting all the conspiracies of WWE. <laughs> I think that he's much more hands-on with his character, and uh, I like that he's even attributing, like with the Sammy Awards, the two Sammys. You know, that was it's an homage to Owen, and he's kind of like, I feel like kind of taking a little bit of his prick heel shit and kind of applying it towards himself. And I actually do like it, but I do agree with you. Sammy's good either way. He's he was great as a babyface. Um, but it's still working, and they're 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 not forgetting about him, thankfully. Yes, uh, at least he's involved in something meaningful, even if he's taking losses. He's entertaining as hell, that's for sure. I just hope one day he shows up as El Generico. He'll be immediately like a top baby face if he does. <laughs> that character is so God. wacky. That would be great. Um, all right, so the last thing we have the contract signing with Adam Pierce. Roman Reigns, I like the part where Adam was sitting in the wrong spot and Jay told him to get his ass in the other fucking chair, basically, because that's Roman's spot. You know, uh, Roman is the head of the table, right? He can sit wherever the fuck he wants. But um, 
this would all just be a swerve. The the cocky, uh, arrogant lawyer that is Paul Heyman, if you will, didn't read the fine print. And I really like the way they positioned this because as soon as they you know get everything signed, Adam Pierce signs it. He starts going up, and oh, there's a lingering injury with in his knee. And you know, he, don't worry, Roman. You know, the clause in here that you obviously read, or that Paul obviously read, states that he would be able to get a backup, no problem, if an injury were to happen to him from now until the Royal Rumble. And since he doesn't know if his his knee will be okay by then, he's got the perfect person to step in. Cue Kevin Owens' music. And we're getting a last man standing match with Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. And I gotta say, I I don't expect Roman to or I don't expect Kevin to win, but this will be another fucking great match with him and Roman. And I don't think they've had really a bad match um so far. Um I'm looking forward to this. I popped. I, I didn't think that Adam Pierce was going to be in this match. I, I thought that there was a good chance they were gonna do something like this. Swerve Roman give a little dissension between him and Paul Heyman. And uh, I thought it was going to be Shinsuke, but apparently KO's the person that's going to be going against Roman at Mania. What do you think? Well, this is at Rumble, right? So Yeah, I said Mania. I meant yeah, Royal Rumble, sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, but they could, I mean, they could do that, I guess. I don't know. I I could see Kevin Owens picking up the title and then dropping it back at Elimination Chamber. So I I don't know man uh, I this was a neat swerve I kind of wish they would have done Nakamura just because we've seen a lot of Kevin Owens versus Roman recently and Nakamura would have been kind of fresh especially since he got jumped by these dudes but uh, I guess the big thing with to me with Kevin Owens is if he's going to be getting jumps have at least one person come out to try to help Kevin this time. So he's not just on an island fighting two Usos, Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns by himself in a last man standings match. Even if that guy is Adam Pierce, if you want to get him involved. But uh, I don't know. What would Kevin Owens have to do to put down Roman Reigns in a last man standings match? He's going to have to powerbomb him off the fucking building. I mean, Braun Strowman put the guy in an ambulance and flipped it over and that didn't stop him. So it's going to take a lot. <laughs> Really is, but it, that should be one hell of a fucking match. I don't know how the fuck. To, knock on wood. I don't know how WWE could fuck that one up. Uh, even if Kevin loses, that should be a really good last man standing. I would think. It'll be a great match. I hope Kevin Owens does that thing he did where he ran up like the half pipe and did the senton off of it. Can we get another one of those? Yeah. <laughs> Because that was incredible. No, this will be a great match. I mean, Kevin Owens and and uh, Roman Reigns right now is on fire. So him and Kevin Owens in a last man standing match, if they give them the proper amount of time and they don't get all cinema with it, this should be just a really great ass wrestling match. And I look forward to whoever wins in general. I, I, I was just kind of. You've beaten Kevin Owens in a cage match. You've beaten him in a no DQ match. You've beaten him in a singles match. It's weird that they're going back to the well unless he's going to win the title. But I, I guess that shows how much faith they have in Kevin Owens' character is that, like, oh, he can just take all these losses and be fine. I don't know. I mean, yeah, this is this is something I'm uh, 
I, I'm looking forward to. I think this is going to be a good match. And, uh, you know, I was kind of excited uh, about Adam Pierce getting in the ring and being able to have, like, you know, a pay-per-view high-profile championship match to kind of, if this is it, you know, kind of end his career on. But obviously that wasn't the direction they were going. And uh, if you're going to take someone, I'd rather even KO than Shinsuke. Uh, I think this just has more story within it. There's more of a grudge because every single time that KO has come up short, it's been with involvement of the tribal chiefs, you know, fucking cousin Jay. So I'm sure that's not going to stop within this thing. Hopefully there, like you said, there will be someone that can help out KO a little bit, whether it be an Adam Pierce or whoever. But, uh, I expect this to be a fucking awesome match and probably Kevin Owens. It would be awesome with that, that ramp front flip, you know, thing that he did, but, uh, I would also like him to jump off something WrestleMania style. Uh, hopefully not <laughs> completely knocking the fucking wind out of Roman like he did Seth, which I still like, <gasps> you know, that those noises that he made, the breathing in, uh, that, that looked like it sucked. So It was probably a receipt from a buckle bomb that Seth gave him. <laughs> <laughs> this Sorry. is for Sting! <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, that'll be an that'll be an incredible match. I mean, Kevin Owens and, and Roman Reigns. I don't know, man. It's just you do the last man standing match. I get it, but if the idea was for Kevin Owens to finally get his revenge against Roman Reigns, right, or have a fair shot at this match, the cage match that they did for free. <laughs> would have been the one because the idea is to keep people out of the cage or you do hell in a cell or something. So last man standing it, that's that sucks for Kevin Owens. That just means he's going to be fighting two people. But Chris, Kevin Owens is not the head of the table. I know he's not the head of the table date, but it's also don't make your baby faces look stupid. Yeah, no, I, I got <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, we'll stick with the WWE stuff and save AEW for last, because I'm sure people are really happy when I do that. But, you know, there's plenty of stuff, uh, you know, we can talk about. Um, so let's move on to, uh, to NXT. Uh, I thought – I'll just start off by saying I thought both shows were fine. But definitely, I think that compared to last week, at least, a bit weaker. Um, and I would definitely put AEW over NXT for me personally this week as far as a uh, like a filled show. I'm just – some other stuff was kind of – there wasn't a lot of uh, – lot, lot to it, if you will, on NXT. Uh, great opening match with, uh, you know, both ladies, Shotzi Blackheart. And Candice LeRae, but as a whole, even AEW with the pull-aparts, and that's on every fucking show, especially WWE. I get so sick of them, especially when you're pull-apart for your 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 champion with the outsiders, if you will, and the people that are getting involved are no names from AEW Dark. I thought both shows were basically kind of on cruise control this week. Is that fair, Chris, or am I being a dick? You can tell me one of these days if I'm being a dick, by the way. 
No, no, I'm going to give a little bit of a pass to NXT because they're setting up a tournament. It's the opening round of a tournament. So I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass. But AEW, they did the same fucking thing with Sting again this week. So zero pass. <laughs> I said I was going to shit on it if they didn't move that storyline further this week. Him hitting Ricky Starks did not move that fucking storyline forward. Like, <laughs> I get, you know, a slow burn, but fucking A, can we do something else? I, mean, I thought that we'll get into it later with the Darby Allen and Cage match, which I actually thought was really good. But both of the shows outside of... Uh, like, outside of Serena Deebs and Ty Conti, which I thought was fucking great, it's kind of cool to see. Like we were talking about, like you were talking about earlier with Nat, uh, Natalia, uh, student versus teacher kind of thing. Since Serena trained her at the Performance Center, that was a real fun match. I enjoyed that. There wasn't just anything that stood out on either show as something I was really excited about. Uh, it, it just I needed them to move that Sting storyline further along and that was the biggest thing on both shows was the brian cage darby allen match i i don't think they necessarily executed it the way i would have yeah i i have to agree with you and that whole ty conti serena deep thing this is no offense to ty conti but i i saw a lot of people of course the aew only marks um having to take shots just because Dave made a very good observation, uh, Dave Metzler, I believe, or maybe it was Brian Alvarez. One of them said, you can tell that she's improved immensely since she's worked with Dustin. Um, and Dustin has taken a lot of these these women underneath his wing to help them get better in the ring, uh, including her, including uh, Anna Jay from the Dark Order and whatnot. Uh, Ty Conti had a shitload of potential in NXT. She was just a bit sloppy and a bit green. But some people were trying to discredit the NXT um, set up as far as, well, obviously NXT's, uh, whatever the performance center doesn't do as good of a job training people as, as AW with Dustin. And it's like, this is Dustin's great. But like you said, the person that used to mentor her, put her over in her best match or got her to a great match because Serena Deeb used to be the main women's coach in fucking NXT, and if you're gonna tell me and discredit the likes of, you know, I don't, I don't care if we're going based on a Matt Bloom, but Shawn Michaels, or or in the past with Ricky Steamboat and Dusty, like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. You are just a mark that just likes AEW, and that makes you not want to watch NXT, and you can fuck off, and it goes both ways. I'm so sick of that mentality. This is the reason why I stopped covering comic movies because it was always DC versus Marvel and not what was a good fucking film. I can't stand it. It's so goddamn irritating. But I will give it, Dustin has improved Ty Conti a great deal. Well, I don't know if it's Dustin or QT Marshall. I mean, there's a lot of people that are getting better week to week, but I think the primary difference is that they're wrestling week to week where NXT, uh, where with NXT, they may not have been wrestling week to week. You know what I mean? I think that's the the difference is Ty Conte has been on dark and has been on the show and obviously is working with QT and stuff. And I, you know what? I, in theory, anyone you're training should be better right now because you're not doing house shows as far as just in ring goes, maybe not getting over with a crowd because that's just a hard thing to judge right now. But uh, yeah, if anyone wants, if anyone lives out in Texas, Dustin just opened a wrestling school <laughs> So, 
Uh, I think it was like $3,200 for three months or something. So you can also go train under Dustin Rhodes and, and become as good as Ty Conti in the ring if he yeah. is the trainer. And I, and don't get me wrong. Um, I, I I think Dustin's great. And if, you know, if, if Brian was right about that or whatever, that Dustin's training her, he has done a great job. But to discredit the Performance Center and act like they're not superior is fucking a load of dumb shit just spewed out by someone that has a bias, basically. Yeah, I mean, I... I guess the caveat to this is what one person came directly from the performance center that became a star. That's going to be, that's going to be the, if you want to have the argument, that would be the argument more so than the performance center is shit. Right. Um, it, and we don't, the, the, the jury is out on tie, right? So we don't know that she's going to become a star just because she had a good match with Serena Deebs. Uh, but Who trained her. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's really the question that, that, we haven't seen answered yet as far as which development or which training is better because until one of these people produce a fresh star that wasn't an already a star somewhere else, that's going to be a real hard answer. Cause like all of the stars that you have, like I, I would say Roman Reigns is one from FCW. Like most of the cats that came in to NXT in the performance center had worked somewhere else for a long period of time be it ring of honor or pwg or evolve so i guess it just it just determines on what you feel about training and what training means if qt marshall and you know dustin rhodes are able to coach her up but i mean she she already knows all the basics so at this point it'd be run you'd be learning like in-ring psychology um also shout out to norman smiley like norman smiley i'm yeah is a great teacher and a very underrated wrestler. Like there's a lot of people that has been through the performance center and given good advice, I'm sure. So, you know, it's more about how you develop your stars as a company. I mean, the yeah, obvious, just, obviously the worst is the WWE power plant because they built Goldberg and he's fucking trash in the ring. <laughs> Meathead city. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It just don't try to bring a fucking fight into something that's, just shut up. Just enjoy shit. Fuck. Anyways, let's get to the first match. We had a match on NXT, starting off with, like I said, Candice LeRae and Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, this was basically a grudge match, um, and Hartwell came out with her new giant tank. Um, but as soon as as soon as things started off, they just jump started the match. Both ladies were kicking the hell out of each other. This was actually a long match. I want to say that this actually went through the almost the first two matches in uh, AEW uh, when I was watching them side by side. But, you know, the ending would have Indy Hartwell uh, cheered on LeRae from ringside as she began to fight back. They took the first out of ring, uh, and Blackheart hit a jumping knee from uh, the steel steps. A distraction from Hartwell allowed the Poison Pixie to take control. They traded the upper hand uh, several times, but neither competitor could could put the other away until LeRae hit a swinger neckbreaker from the middle turnbuckle for the win. Hartwell provided another distraction to give her the win. Um, I, I uh, or for the pin, uh, whatever. Anyways, the whole thing is it was just weird because you have this grudge match that's building between the two of them, and they've done a lot of stuff 
as of lately. And then the match itself is just kind of over after this. Candice, even with interference, she won. And then later on, Shotzi's kind of okay with it and all excited about being a part of the, the Women's Dusty Classic uh, when she announced that her tag partner was going to be Ember Moon, which is an awesome team for a makeshift team. But I don't think any of this, especially if this is supposed to be the end of a long feud, helped out Shotzi Blackheart besides she got a bigger tank. Yeah, my, yeah, my, my assumption, assumption is that... Uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi might win the Dusty Classic and be a tag team on the main roster. Just Are they going to go against the Riot Squad? The Riot Squad, Charlotte, and uh, Asuka. Like, I don't know. If you're, I feel like the whole reason they're making these tag teams is to see what works, and Shotzi and Ember works as far as a tag team goes. They don't necessarily have to be best friends or anything. Like, they're weird enough with their characters that it could just be like a weird combo, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. Um, there, that's what I either, they're going to do that. They're going to move Shotzi and Ember back to the main roster or Shotzi to me is their biggest baby face. So she needs a title run very soon. Cause they have to get the belt off of you at some point. And yeah, it definitely needs to happen. And they've killed all their other female baby faces. So Shotzi is probably the most over right now as a baby face. Yep. Well, our next match, we had uh, the Grizzly Young Veterans versus Everize. I will admit I forgot what was going on the exact same time as this, but I was paying. And I hate doing this because they presented Everize as jobbers, basically. They're from Montreal. They, you know, have all this lineage, and I believe they were trained. I forgot what his name is. Same guy who trained uh, Kevin Owens. Uh, Kevin Owens always talks shit about the Mountie. Um, but I don't know why the Grizzly Young veterans were giving as much offense as they were giving. You know, uh, basically the end of the match, Martel finally got a hot tag and went after both opponents with a flurry of strikes. Both teams participated in a sequence of double-team moves that led to Gibson and Drake hitting their finisher for the win. Uh, from what I saw, it was a good match. I just – Grizzle Young Vets are ex-tag team champions over in the U.K. I think they've had the belts twice over there. Presenting them as a big tag team, I don't think they should be having a competitive match with Everize. This is similar problems I have a lot of times on AEW, and it's still going to be presented on NXT for this. I, they should have probably squashed them. Yeah, I, they do that on both shows, on NXT and Dynamite. They give way too much offense. I, I get what they're doing, at least with this one. I think the reasoning is that the Grizzled Young Vets are not going to be part of NXT TV or NXT TV. So I, I doubt they're going to win this tournament, and then they'll probably be back in the UK, whereas Everrise will probably remain as a tag team. So you have to give them a little bit of offense. Um, the match was fine. There was nothing. The Grizzled Young Veterans have had way better matches, and I don't like Everize at all. Yeah, I agree. They're very one-dimensional and kind of just there. Um, next we had Mr. Johnny Gargano going against Dexter Loomis. So, this has been building up, um, between the two of them. I'm not going to say words were exchanged because they weren't, obviously. 
So he had Austin Theory um, in his uh, corner, and the tortured artist, if you will, uh, presented or he had his drawings. Uh, Gargano took them and and tore them up, uh, which pissed off uh, Dexter. So the match would have Loomis creepily chasing Gargano out of the ring, but Johnny Wrestling was still able to hit a kick to the face. They fought up the top rope until Loomis knocked him down. Gargano avoided a senton bomb. As the show went off the break, Loomis began to make a comeback and uncorked a couple of stiff right hands. It looked like he had the match well in hand, but a distraction from theory led Gargano to the uh, most dangerous move in all of entertainment, or at least re- or WWE entertainment, the um, a roll-up. Uh, and, and he got Loomis for a win. And Gargano, in theory, tried to attack Loomis after the match, but Kushida ran down to make the save. Kushida made it clear that he's coming for the North American Championship. What did you think about this match, Chris? So, giant-ass Loomis needed help from Kushida. That's what we're going to go with. <laughs> well, when you put it that way. Are we done with Loomis at this point? <sighs> Sad, but yeah. I mean, I think he has a shitload of potential, but I did, they're just not doing a good job with him. Yeah, the tortured artist thing. Is he a serial killer or is he, is he an artist? You're not doing a good job at showing either. Um. And also, I what just, is their obsession with fucking art? Did Triple H start going to fucking art museums? They did the same thing with uh, Nakamura. I went to the Lou in Paris uh, <laughs> one time with Stephanie. Yeah. I just, you know what? I also don't get too, man. <sighs> Try. I'm trying to. Okay, Dexter was an endearing character. Dexter, Dex, not Dexter Loomis, but Dexter. He was an endearing character because he talked. And he had so much to say, and he was intelligent. And instead, with him, he's shut the fuck up. Hannibal Lecter talked. Every, like, famous serial killer, it's like, quit doing the Undertaker shit and actually bring us into a compelling character. I've seen stuff from him back in Impact. He actually was a pretty damn good promo. The silent shit is not helping him at all. Him expressing himself through fucking paintings doesn't make him a badass killer. And why are we trying to present... A babyface serial killer. No, you got me. But I, I knew the Dexter Loomis character was gonna work when we first, when he was first introduced on NXT. I was like, they'll, they'll definitely fuck this guy up <laughs> because they had him working like the Undertaker, uh, which he's branched out of. At least his matches aren't like so slow and methodical at this point, but. Man, they've ruined that guy. I don't know there's any rehabbing of that character at this point. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Dexter Loomis. If you're if Kushida has to come down and save you from Gargano and Austin Theory, you're you're that's where your pecking order is. <laughs> yep. Are you looking forward though to Gargano and Kushida having a match for the title probably in the future? Cuz Oh, I'm... oh hell yeah, that'll be a great match. Like that'll be that'll probably be the best match on the card easily. Like uh, I, that's one I've never seen personally. I don't know if it exists out there. It may exist out in the YouTube world, but uh Kushida versus Gargano. If you like grappling, I, that should be a, a real hell of a banger, especially if they do it at like a takeover and give them 15, 20 minutes. Kushida's fucking incredible. 
So, and Gargano is fucking incredible. So I just assume that will be amazing. I mean, the only thing that's going to, the only thing that might drag it down is a little bit of the storyline because Kushida is not going to be, if they're going to tie Loomis into this somehow, like Kushida is not, he, he speaks English, but he's not going to be your promo guy in whatever the hell weird stuff they're doing with Gargano, Candice LeRae, Theory, etc. Um, and Dexter Loomis, like painting <laughs> like you know what i mean the match itself will be good but like as far as an angle goes <laughs> unless they completely eliminate dexter loomis and have Kashida just destroy theory or something beforehand uh this could get very very monday night raw very quickly uh the match itself will be great but uh, the storyline leading into it may be terrible and, and turn me off from the match altogether yep all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know how many times I say that on a fucking daily basis. I apologize. Um, but it's the truth. Uh, so let's move on. NXT. We have the second match. Let's go over actually because I forgot to when we when we were talked about the uh, the match with uh, the Grizzly Young Vets and Everize. The tag matches on this, including the main event, were all part of the Dusty Classic this year. Um, I got the brackets right here. So, if it would load up, load up the fucking picture! Anyways, thank you. Alright. And now, of course, I have to click on Twitter, which is also freezing. My my internet sucks, Chris. Does your internet suck? Anyways, here we go. Alright. So, uh, Adam Cole and uh, Roderick Strong against Brazongo. That would be in the main event. Uh, Tony Nese and Davari going against Adonis and um, Troy. I'm not sure I even know that tag team. Kushida and Leon Ruff going against Gargano in theory, which will be next week. Everize against the Grizzly Young Vets. We talked about that. We had the Grizzly Young Vets advancing. Uh, MSK, which we're about to go over, which against Swerve, Scott, and Atlas, Jake Atlas. Um Maverick and Dane going against uh, Stallion and Gray. So the two guys that left uh, Timothy Thatcher. Imperium. Imperium against Lucha House Party. Legado del Fantasma against the Bollywood Boys. So, I mean, right away, Chris, I would assume you kind of agree with this. It's kind of obvious in a lot of these who's going over in what match, I would think. Yeah, it's a lot of fucking geeks <laughs> thrown into a tournament together. <laughs> like, outside of the, like, the like who's a legitimate tag team in this? I guess Undisputed Error, but it's not, it's not even the Undisputed Error, right? <laughs> so, so, the amount of actual the tag, tag team. teams is Brazongo, who lost, obviously, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, Everrise, Grizzly Young Vets, um, MSK, Imperium, Lucha House Party, Legado del Fantasma, and Bollywood Boys. But every single one other than that is all like put together um, little tag teams. Yeah, and, and the thing about the uh, like Legado like, del Fantasma, they haven't been presented as a tag team. They've been presented as goons for... Uh, God, what is the... What is his name? Uh, they give him a Q- Escobar. <laughs> Santos Escobar. 
Yes. So they're just his goons. So really we have the grizzled young vets, MSK, which is the rascals, right? Yep. Okay. And the Bollywood boys, <laughs> as far as like legitimate, we're just tag team. Well, I guess Brazingo, which, uh, by the way, Breeze looked incredible in this main event. Yeah. Well, let's go to this match, the one, uh, so we can get to that one, because that was a fucking awesome tag match. Um, let's move it back to where we were. Uh, and we had the uh, Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott against the upcoming MSK. This would start off with a little promo showing some, a little bit of dissension, but maybe that finally... Isaiah Swerve Scott, who's been kind of doing more heel stuff, and Jake Atlas were friends again. We had MSK come out. God, it's going to be so hard to fucking call these guys by new names after I'm used to Wentz and Xavier. Desmond Xavier and Wentz. But now, trying to remember the names, we had um, Nash Carter. Where the fuck do you even come to a name like Nash Parker? <laughs> and listen to this. That's, that's, like... that's, that's Wentz. Uh, Desmond Xavier is Wes, W-E-S, Lee, L-E-E. Wes Lee. So he's Wesley. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's got one name. So when they try to take his last name away, it'll still just be Wesley. <laughs> God, what was wrong with the names that they had? I they don't were know, Des and I, Wentz. I, I, I do know that NXT lets them create a list of like 20 names that they pick from. So like Cameron Grimes came up with the name Cameron Grimes. It just makes me think like what were the other 19 names if they were like, all right, I guess I'll go with this one. Oh, well, here's the thing. Like how much are you worried about the copyrights for the Rascals? I don't know. I, I don't. I, and and what, what does MSK stand for? I'm looking that up right now, actually. It's funny that you said that. <laughs> because they ne- if they told me, I don't remember. <laughs> um, that sucks because I really like the Rascals. I like both the guys on that team. So it's uh, the names are unfortunate, but that's NXT uh, sometimes. Wes Lee is a terrible... <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad as being T-Bar, but <laughs> it's up there. It's definitely up there. All right, maybe I have to go Urban Dictionary for this shit. <laughs> Urban yeah, Dictionary for MSK is... <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid. <laughs> they were a graffiti team called the Mad Society Kings. That can't be it. Why are these assholes using this? I don't. I don't know, man. Maybe they are using it in reference to that. I mean, they're the the rascals in general was supposed to be like kind of street punk rock type deal, right? So maybe they're like, yeah, MSK. Everybody knows what that means. Obviously, uh, <laughs> we're too old for wrestling, Dane. Lord. Well, either way, they had a great match. They had good opponents. You know, even though it was a makeshift tag team, Jake Atlas is extremely impressive. We all know that Swerve Scott is extremely impressive. So they were able to put them over. 
uh, establish them, advance them within the tournament. So MSK is advancing. And afterwards, when we came back from the break, Jake Hatless and uh, Isaiah Sawyer Scott went from being buddies uh, to wanting to kill each other. Now, this was similar to Sheamus and Keith Lee on Monday Night Raw, where same thing, all of a sudden they were fucking fighting two seconds later. But I didn't think that was done anyways. And uh, with all the name changes, at least the Rascals in some form are on NXT. They had a damn good match. They'll be progressing in this. And I think that there's a good chance they're going to win their block. I don't know if they'll win the whole entire thing. And it also means I think Trey Miguel picked AEW over NXT because that's apparently who he was picking between because they were trying to get him over there. So good chance you're going to see Trey since he didn't go with his two buddies for the Rascals showing up sometime, possibly on Dark, possibly on the main product soon. And as a single star, he was the single star out of that trio. These guys were the tag team. So sucks they're not together, but interesting for arguably the more over member of that team, Chris. Yeah, it is interesting. I may have just stuck with that tag team because the tag team division in NXT is just so bad that I feel like they would have had something to, for him to do always. <laughs> like... MSK going to NXT makes so much sense for them because the tag team division in AEW right now is fucking ridiculous. And I don't know. I don't know what they would even do with MSK, if I'm being honest, or I'm not calling them MSK anymore. I don't know what they would do with the Rascals, especially since they have these new up and coming tag teams. So, uh, yeah, no, I would say. Is he going to be as good without his group? That's good. That, that I guess that'll be. I guess we'll see the answer, or someone will see the answer on AEW Dark. I'll probably just see him get squashed by like Brian Cage or some shit on Main. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, a very good point. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe they'll put him in a, with the tag team with Matt Sedell and just try to like pretend he's Ricochet. Fucking I, love, <laughs> I love Trey Miguel, but he gets that comparison constantly, and he does stylistically and look-wise kind of remind me of Ricochet. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I don't know that makeshift tag teams work in AEW, though, because they have so many tag teams that have been together for so long. <laughs> that's true. And I guess the only thing I could think of is um, Kenny and, and uh, Adam Page, but that's a little bit different. Yeah, because those are like, that's like if you smash Undertaker and Kane together, right? Like, they were already big stars coming into that company. All right, so let's uh, let's get past that. Like I said, MSK got the win, and we have more dissension. So we had Xia Lee. Why didn't Boa go this week? Whatever. Uh, with her presentation and this concept, there are more training videos, but this time they're you know, like the last one, they're not like crying and shit like that. They're like tough. Uh, but she went against Jobber and destroyed her, which is exactly what she should do in, in this situation. And we had the figure once again there. Uh, the whole, like I said, I, NXT, I mean, they're the ones who made Finn Balor, Bobby Roode, um, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Ricochet, all those wonderful entrances they've come up with. Aleister Black. This one's uh, pretty damn good itself. Uh, Boa, like I said, looking like he's a part of the Matrix. Um, 
and just Zyle just has a new, you know, style personality. She goes in there, kicks ass, and that's about it. I like the presentation she does beforehand with the weapons, and I'm glad that we don't know who this mysterious figure is next. It's it's intriguing. But um, this is exactly what should happen. She should just be unstoppable, go in there, kick someone's ass until we get her against someone like an Io Shirai or whoever, uh, some other baby face that's bigger. Maybe she doesn't go for the title exactly next, but you know what I'm saying, Chris. Yeah, I like this. Uh, I, I'm They've still got me hooked with this storyline so far. I know other people are starting to fall off on this, but... I don't know, man. If the if the payoff is Io is going to beat Zaya and then we're going to have like have a really really great match. I mean, it's all about the unveil at this point. But I, I've liked this for the most part. Has a little bit of shades of uh, man. God, why can I not think of the name? They, they trained they trained Batman. Oh. <laughs> it's, uh yeah. What is it? Batman Begins. He climbs the mountain with a blue flower. What is the group's name? League of oh, Shadows? League of, League of Shadows or League of Assassins. Okay, yeah. So this kind of has that feel to it, to me, a little bit, where it's like, okay, you're going to get these two, but then you're going to get the real master, right? So that's, I, I don't know. I'm really enjoying this. This is one of the more mystical type weird storylines they've done in WWE in a while that I actually like. And maybe I'm on island by myself, but I, I have liked this so far. It's just if the unveil is something shitty, like if they unveil it and it's like Mickey James or something. Like, oh, James Elworth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the caveat. But uh, EO, or not EO, but Zaya looks good here in a squash match. This is two in a row. Um, she didn't knock anyone's head off this week. Thankfully. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I'm interested in this. Sure. Dane, how do you how do you feel about this one? Do you like it so far? What they're doing? Yeah, they they turned me around to it. I, I thought it was stupid. I have to admit that um, beforehand, and then slowly the vignettes actually started being like much more intriguing. This mysterious person, whoever it is, you know, whether it be fucking all the speculation between Tessa and Mako Satamura. Their presence, once they finally reveal themselves, is going to be, I think, pretty big. Uh, I want to see Boa now, maybe two times in a row, to give him a little bit of uh, more stature. Uh, I think that Xia Li, even though I have said that she's way too stiff in the past, this is this is like a, like a female Goldberg. She goes in there, whoops their ass, uh, and very convincingly, and that's about it. And, uh, yeah, if this gets up to EO, I think you're right. Zaya loses, and then we finally find the reveal of who this person is, and they go after Yoshirai's. I think that this is, this is, uh, this is very interesting. I like this, you know, I like the Legata del Fantasma stuff for a while, and then it kind of just got played out in old. That's the problem. If they can make it fresh and keep it going, I'm probably going to like it. But if they do too much of the same, it will just probably get old. When's the next takeover, I guess, is the real question. Because uh, Zaya, Zaya No, has that's to, AEW. Okay. Because Zaya has to start beating legitimate people. Like, she needs to be beating, like, a Mercedes Martinez or a Candice LeRae. 
or a Ember Moon or a Shotzi Blackheart. Like she's gonna have to get a couple meaningful wins to go against EO. Unless well, maybe not necessarily. I guess they could just have the group attack EO. Or you know, I don't know. I I just it seems like she needs a couple more wins that aren't job people before they put her in the title picture. And uh Mania's not that far away. And I'm assuming that is going to be the Mania match, the unveiled person versus EO. That could definitely be it. Um, all right, so the next one, the main event itself, the Undisputed Era, going against Brazongo. It's a really good match. Um, you know, so Kyle O'Reilly was there accompany, uh, accompanying or coming out with his fucking teammates. I can't read right now. But um, it started off with Tyler Breeze and Adam Cole. They came to a stalemate after their first exchange and shook hands as a show of respect. They both tagged their partners. Strong and Fandango would square up. We returned from a break to see Brazongo dominating Cole with some standard tag team tactics. The leader of the Undisputed Era brought in the master of the backbreaker to do what he does best. Strong unleashed a barrage of offense against both men. Once Cole had recovered, Strong tagged uh, him for a double tag team move to get a near fall. Breeze turned the tables and uh, tagged uh, Fandango to kickstart a sequence that involved all four men taking each other out in various ways. Then we have Pete Dunne, Odie Lorcan, Danny Birch attack uh, at ringside until, until Thun Balor tried to make the save. Um, some reason I I don't know how the fuck I breezed over it, but earlier in the night, Finn Balor had come out. He presented basically. He, he said a lot of the same stuff intensely. That's why I kind of the Bret Hart comparison, like you know, I, I'm I'm the best. Blah 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 blah. Like that 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 aggressive nature and basically whoever wants to try to come out and fight me can can make their claim. And Pete Dunne did. Pete Dunne wasn't happy, and it kind of took the undisputed era taking them on. And then we had a little bit of a square off between Finn and the undisputed era. And uh, that would prompt Finn to depart. But, you know, could they be on the same level or are they still at odds? We know that Kyle O'Reilly's not happy with Finn Balor. And, uh, yeah, Pat McAfee's friends took them out. But Cole overcame the distraction to hit a super kick to Fandango for the win. And that would end the show, pretty much. So we have Undisputed Era still uh, with the Kings of Wrestling. You know, Finn Balor's involved. Who's going to be Finn Balor's next opponent? You know, now Cole and uh, and obviously Strong are advancing in the tournament. Where's Kyle O'Reilly at? Where's his headspace at? Especially since it seems like maybe Finn Balor might be on the same page. You know, not necessarily friends, but they got their backs. Uh, how does he feel about that? It's a lot of questions uh, leaving NXT with this main event, Chris. It's really weird to me that Finn Balor has to get their backs when that group is larger than the Kings of Wrestling. There's only fucking three people in that group. Yep. But, uh, I mean, hopefully it's leading to Pete Dunne versus Finn Balor for the title. That'd be fucking great, right? I would love Pete Dunne to take that title, honestly. I It would be well-deserved. As as good of matches as he's had in NXT in the past before COVID and when he was carrying the UK title there, 
like what did he had that thing for like 300 days or something he had some amazing matches with tyler bates like him and finn will have a really phenomenal match if they decide to go that route but uh yeah it's really weird just like the storyline of finn having to come out to make the save which i don't know it, it, it that to me was a little bit odd because undisputed error like i said it's like what's five guys <laughs> well bobby fish is not there anymore he's been out since he oh got yeah injured. yeah that's right yeah. he's injured i forgot about that um like oh well, how I does kyle talk... feel you know like he's getting replaced i guess kind of but they didn't they just turn okay so the only way this works is if the, that entire group turns on kyle o'reilly and he gets ousted for finn balor because kyle o'reilly just hurt that entire group just turned babyface essentially yeah like, whoever kyle, thought who, who, who thought that we'd see adam cole uh shaking hands with tyler breeze before a tag match yeah, so it's it's just a weird situation. I will say the finish got a little wonky, but the in-ring work between Fandango and Tyler Breeze versus Adam Cole and uh, is it Roderick Strong, right? Roddy Strong. Yep, Messiah of the Backbreaker. It was great. In fact, I didn't need all that bullshit <laughs> for the finish of this match. Uh, Tyler Breeze looks fucking incredible here. Every time I see Breezango, there's always one thing you can pick out of their match. And like, these guys are so fucking good. Like, they could have been utilized so much better than they were, uh, becoming just a tag, a comedy tag team. But, uh, you know, whatever, man. It's, uh, it is what it is. But I thought the match itself was really good. It sucks they're out at the tournament. I may have put them in a bracket against a team that's not as good. Uh, so that you could get two early good matches. Yep. Well, good NXT. Like I said, not the greatest, if you will. Just uh, more getting a little bit over the Dusty Classic, which is going to slow down, I think. It kind of tends to do this, uh, the, the pace of NXT. But that's that's what they do every year, and they're not going to change it, and I get it. Um but relying off of a bunch of tag matches, some of them with smaller names, I would say, is uh, I don't think it's ever going to bring a lot of eyeballs, Chris. No, I would have to agree with you. And my biggest worry is they have a lot of storylines they need to get moving before Mania. Yep. Because that takeover is going to be very important. And next week we're going to get the women's yeah. Dusty Classic. And they're going to utilize a lot of time on their shows for that when there's, I mean, you still need to be built EO's opponent, right? You need to figure out who the hell is going to be going against Finn Balor. And uh, you got to build that, you flesh out this North American title storyline. There's a, there's a lot of questions that I don't necessarily know. I would have threw a tournament directly before WrestleMania in front of just because you're going to have to either shorten these tag matches of people that you're trying to get over as a tag team to do vignettes or rush all of the matches and cram a lot of shit into very few shows. Like we have two months until mania essentially, because we're going to have rumble is about two weeks away and then elimination chamber and then mania. That's it. (laughs) So, 
that's that's one of my biggest worries and this was kind of just a weird show because it's like you said it's the opening rounds of the dusty classic yep but who knows um we'll just have to get to next week and see what lineup they have of matches outside of the tag matches because that's going to hold my interest a bit more but at the same time this was playing out we had aew dynamite going on uh first match right off the top pack eddie kingston another strange way to end a grudge match i gotta admit going on at the same time uh they they built this up a while um and then they just i mean i don't have a problem necessarily giving it away for television but it just seemed kind of like in the back burner in comparison. Eddie had the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny in his corner. Pac had the Lucha Bros in his corner. Eddie came out cocky as hell to his theme music, which I'm a big fan of, to the Mortal Kombat, you know, looking uh, thing of him posing uh, on the Titan Tron. Love Eddie. And when Pac got there, he just, he's one of the most intense guys in wrestling today. He definitely has that intensity that certain wrestlers in the past, whether it be a Benoit or Savage or something like that have. Uh, and he just started off the match with a fucking shotgun drop kick that looked like it killed Eddie Kingston. And this is much more a brawl. I would say for the most part, uh, Pac drove the air from Kingston with a barrage of kicks to the chest, but a back fist from Kingston stunned Pac for a big backdrop driver through, uh, that brought both big men to the mat the competitors fought to their feet and up the ropes where Pac delivered a big superplex that left Kingston clutching at his lower back, the pain nearly uh, crippling him, it seemed. Kingston rocked his opponent with a clothesline, but Pac recovered and ultimately put him away with a black arrow. After the match, Pac attempted to apply the brutalizer, but Butcher and Blade made the save. Lance Archer hit the ring and joined uh, the Bastard, and Ray Phoenix in Standing Tall. While the heels retreated, afterwards, Pac had a couple words for Lance Archer saying basically he didn't need his help, and Lance Archer saying that they basically they better get on the same page. So interesting with whatever the fuck's going on there. I, I, I don't know if I'm getting this Jake Roberts, Lance Archer, all of a sudden babyface. I think it might be just a swerve to lead to uh, Pac versus Lance Archer in a future uh, situation. Weird to end a feud like this. Weird that Eddie didn't really get a lot of offense. He kind of got his ass kicked. I understand it's Pac, but not a situation uh, I'm too happy about. Uh, just like Daniel Bryan losing to Cesaro and and Shotzi, you know, inevitably getting beat by Candice LeRae. It just, I don't think that's going to help Eddie Kingston at all. But what do you think, Chris? So to, is, if this is the end of the feud, I think they rushed it because they want Kingston to be with Moxley for the Bullet Club invasion. Am Were I crazy, crazy like in thinking that? Yeah. I mean, it makes so, sense. So you're, maybe you have the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny turn on Kingston and now Kingston has no friends left and Moxley goes to him and he's like I also have no friends because I'm a lone wolf and I need you to have my back like when we were in CZW and other places together that kind of storyline you know what I mean because 
they've already told us the story of how close Moxley and, and Kingston were. And Moxley doesn't have any other friends on this product outside of maybe Darby Allen. And they're going to build to that storyline again with Moxley versus Kenny Omega, because that just has to happen. So I'm assuming maybe that's why this storyline seems so rushed. I thought the match itself was pretty good. Um, Pack is incredible. He's just <laughs> everything he does just looks so damn good. Uh, I mean, if they're not going that route, it could be that Pack has to go back to the UK because uh, I don't know, maybe maybe there's reasoning behind that because he was there and then he was gone for two weeks and then he's back. So I don't know. This is just a weird, a weird feud that's overshadowed and they're slowly falling into the trap of we have too many fucking groups. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. It was, uh, it was very telling because my um, roommate Will came in and he was watching, uh, it with me for a minute and it was, he's like, Oh, it's Chris Jericho. I go, yeah, this is, this is, um, Oh man, what the fuck? Why can't I remember the name of their group? I'm about to say I'm disputed Eric. Yeah. It's it's inner circle and don't feel bad. I forgot League of Assassins last <laughs> League of Shadows earlier. <laughs> well, you know, he, he I told him about the group and then immediately afterwards it cuts to that promo with uh, the Dark Order and uh, he was like, "Wow, there's a lot of groups on this." And that was only two groups that he saw. And I wanted to be like, "Yeah, you don't even know, man." There's a lot of factions. Yeah, so I I just think they're they're gonna maybe do the, the Lance Archer match with Eddie Kingston and then that's just the blow off and they're done with that and they'll I, I don't think it's gonna hurt Kingston at all. Kingston's won one fucking match since he showed up on AEW, as far as I know, as far as main main show goes. So if it hasn't hurt him by now, I don't think that him taking a couple more losses to put him in a tag team with Moxley to go against or a group with Moxley to go against the bullet club is going to hurt anything. But I do feel like that's probably where they're headed. Yep. All right. Well, the next match was Chuck Taylor versus Miro and a uh, wonderful match. I cared so much about the outcome. Uh, really fucking weird. I, I don't know if this is just like a Twitter people getting upset or whatever, because they didn't know what the fucking term meant, but they changed young boy, which was what they were calling it beforehand. Uh, which is not like uh, in 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 the wrestling system over in Japan. If you're a young boy, you got to basically do whatever the fucking older wrestler tells you to do, laundry, whatever, you know. But they made sure this time, several times, in uh, to call it um, that Chuck Taylor was going to be his butler. So I guess young boy might have been offensive towards someone who cries a lot. God, I don't want to be around you if you got a fucking paper cut. Anyway, so we had him going against. Chuck Taylor, and I it was exactly what people thought. I mean, Miro just basically destroyed Chuck Taylor, beat him, he's now his servant, and on the way out was staring down Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy looked pretty uh pretty distraught. He doesn't have either one of his guys now. He's by himself. He is a lone wolf, if you will, but not by wanting it, just being forced into it. And Chuck Taylor now gets to be the butler, the butler, just to, just to clarify, Chris, the butler of Miro until the wedding. I don't give a fuck about any of this, by the way. 
uh, <laughs> if this is just a way to separate Orange Cassidy from the best friends, then I guess it's fine. <laughs> How's Orange Cassidy going to get to the arena in Jacksonville now, though? That's the real question. <laughs> um, now, I mean, whatever. We knew that this was going to happen with Chuck Taylor. We, we all do. He was going to lose. He made the stupidest... They made their baby face look like an idiot, which I fucking hate. Why would you ever agree to this match knowing that you're going to be outnumbered with your partner being gone? Um, it was uh, just it was just that shit I hate, Dane, if I'm being completely honest. As far as the Orange Cassidy part of this, like, uh, is Orange Cassidy going to have to fight to save Chuck Taylor? <laughs> They're going to do a Chuck Taylor on a pole match? Oh, God, I hope so. Can we get actually the mom of Trent? To be on the pole. <laughs> it's the Judy Bagwell match all over again. Um, it's the Judy Bagwell on a stretching sh- match. <laughs> <laughs> it's how long is this guy gonna be engaged for? By the way, that's the other question. It feels like this has been going on forever, until, and it's only been and, a couple months. Until Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford break up in real life, basically seems like <laughs> well if the build-up is going to be miro versus orange cassidy like that's not going to help miro because they're just going to have to put orange cassidy over in that match uh, i don't know the only thing that i think is good about it is like you said maybe orange cassidy is not going to be with the best friends uh going forward or at least for a while well let's get to something i actually enjoyed a lot more the new year's resolution for the inner circle Chris Jericho and the Inner Circle made their way to the ring to share the 2021 resolutions. Each mention of the faction ran down their wishes for the new year, which included MJF strengthening his bonds with his teammates, also declaring uh, or or saying that he wants to get rid of fat people. Uh, God damn. Jericho revealed <laughs> this to be him and MJF's um, winning the AEW Tag Team Championships. I'm sorry. He was a bit more ambitious, Ortiz. You said you wanted to perfect your mother's dish. That's not if, – if, if, if you want the tag team championships with you in uh, Santana, you probably should have said that. But Chris Jericho and MJF said they want that. Uh, Santana and Ortiz uh, took exception to that. And Sammy Guevara accused the demo god of being a tag team slut, saying that he's been in a tag team with him and Hager, and now he's in one with MJF. Uh this uh, rightly said Jericho likes to jump from tag team partner to tag team partner and even accused him of getting chummy with Snoop Dogg last week and asked him if he was going to be in a tag team with him in which Chris Jericho was like, well, maybe I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, friction intensified until Jericho intervened and pitched a triple threat tag team match to determine the official tag team of the inner circle Jericho and MJF versus Santana Ortiz versus Guevara and Hager. Uh, Guevara was like, hell yeah, Guevara, or, uh, you know, it's going to be Sammy Hagar. And Chris Jericho was like, <laughs> that's funny, Sammy Hagar. And he's like, what? I, I, I don't get it. And then Chris Jericho just looked really sad when Sammy just couldn't, didn't know Sammy Hagar and who he was. But, um, I got to say this. I'm going to be pissed if anyone besides, uh, fucking LAX wins. Why would there be another tag team of the inner circle other than the tag team? One of the best tag teams probably about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. 
when he was with Conan, when they were with Conan as LAX and Impact. I don't want to see them down on the totem pole. I want them actually stronger. The best friends have a bigger fucking overall look, I would say, than LAX does. And I'm sorry, that's a joke to me. Let's see LAX in matches high profile with FTR, with fucking the Young Bucks and some of the other big tag teams in there. I'm sick of them being in the background. I, I, I don't get it. So if MJF and fucking Jericho win, I'll think that's extremely stupid. But I did like the segment. What do you think, Chris? I like the segment, and I do think that MJF and Jericho are probably going to win. <laughs> I also don't understand why, why Sammy would want to team or have to team with Jake Hager, who just lost instead of Wardlow. <laughs> So it would be hilarious if on next week's show, Sammy's like, uh, sorry, sorry, Jake, I'm going to team with Wardlow <laughs> instead of you <laughs> to to increase the tension. I mean, all of this is just tension building for whenever they blow this group up. I, I'm on the same page as you. I think LAX would be the way should probably be the way to go. But you're, you have your tag team champions tied up in what is going to be an inter promotion tag team battle and FTR is still out there, right? There's a lot of shit the Young Bucks have to get to before LAX. Hopefully LAX just doesn't get too damaged by this, if I'm being completely honest. That's a good point. All right, the next one we had, uh, well, beforehand, we had the Young Bucks, Don Callis, Kenny Omega backstage, all talking about like how the band's back together and so exciting. They're going to be having their match soon. And then Kenny and Don left uh, and came out for the match. But the elite wasn't Kenny and the Bucks. Uh, Don Callis got on the microphone, put over this next team coming out, and end up being the Good Brothers. So Good Brothers make their way, no music, with Kenny Omega really kind of swerving the, the Young Bucks themselves a bit. And they went against Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., and Danny Limelight. I felt happy, but I can't even remember if Brian got a chance. He's, he's, he said one of his dream opponents in the future, just to be able to get in the ring with, he told Stone Cold Steve Austin this a while ago, um, was Kenny Omega. He'd love to work with them. So I don't even remember if that actually happened or not. This match was pretty quick. Uh, they made shortcomings of these guys. I mean, I don't even know who the fuck Dandy Limelight is. <laughs> so that was kind of expected. Uh, and the match would break down. Uh... Pillman and, and Garrison scored a very close near fall on Anderson, but a miss splash in the corner left the ladder, the ladder prone to three-on-one assault by the heels. Anderson tried for a gun stun on Garrison, but the young star escaped it and tagged Limelight back in the ring. Limelight fell prey to the Magic Killer uh, as the AEW World Champion and Impact Tag Team Champions picked up the win. Following the bell, John Moxley entered Daly's place through the stands and hit the ring, going straight for Omega. Despite his tenacity, Moxley found himself beaten down. The Lucha Bros came to the aid of Moxley and AEW, fighting off Gallows and Anderson. Moxley pounded away at Omega as the locker room emptied out. Locker room emptied out actually was bullshit. That's exactly what they said on the fucking thing, and this is what I was talking about. It was a couple people on both sides of the audience, and honestly, other than the guns, and I don't even know if they actually got in the fucking ring, it was all like AEW Dark, I don't know who the fuck you are, people, but that's what that's what uh, Tony Schiavone said. The locker room is 
is emptying out. I just the pull parts and the fucking giant schmoz stuff. It was awesome in the in WWE in ninety nine, ninety eight, probably two thousand that era. It just got an overdone, especially because of WWE as of lately. So, but um, Moxley uh, the the Moxley wiped out Omega only for the Young Bucks to make the save. Uh, Pentagon and Ray Phoenix wiped whipped Matt and uh, Nick Jackson. Er, sorry, whipped Matt and Nick Jackson out with super kicks, and all hell broke loose in the chaos. Omega and Calix retreated. Uh, living, leaving the fight another day uh, as the ring filled with AEW competitors. Anderson and Gallo exited through the stands just as they arrived. So there you go. Um, like I said, I thought the match was fine. It was what it was supposed to be. They barely brought up, except for in Kenny's intro, hard to kill, uh, the fact that they have a match this weekend. And even Tony mentioned that they were going to be in a pay-per-view uh this weekend, but made a joke and changed. I forgot what he said. He goes, I can't remember exactly what it's called. It's called shot in the head or something like that. You know, ah, I just can't put my finger on it. Like not putting it over, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think that in the long run, a lot of the stuff they've done with Kenny and getting him back with, uh, Gallows and Anderson and impact it's been good. And some of it's just been whatever they could have done a lot more. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Even with this, Cody should have been in the ring. Every fucking person in AEW, these are the invaders. They should have fucking hopped up and said we had a bunch of no-name, you know, jobbers uh, as a part of it at the ending. But I loved all the stuff with Moxley and how we just went to fucking just murder Omega. And if we get Gallows, Anderson, Kenny Omega in a tag match against Moxley, Pentagon, and Phoenix, I'll be excited for that. What do you think, Chris? Same problem as last week. Where's Cody? It's his fucking show. <laughs> Where is he at? Where the fuck is Cody? It's Especially when the other three people are now initially siding with the invaders. Yeah, they're on Team Don Callis. They're trying to take over your company. You shut down Taz for wanting to talk <laughs> about how the FTW championship is important. But you can't come out and help or at least try to break this up. I know what they're doing. They're building towards Cody turning heel. It's fine. But at the same time, it's also making his character look very, very fucking dumb uh, while they're in the midst of this. So, yeah, I I, I agree. Um, You're probably going to get Moxley, Pentagon, and Phoenix. And I'm hoping Eddie Kingston... Maybe he becomes friends with Pentagon again. They settle their differences in the upcoming weeks or something versus uh, the, this iteration of the Bullet Club, which uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but Tango, Tamatanga is not happy about people calling them the Bullet Club. He's like, they're not the fucking Bullet Club. The Bullet Club still exists. <laughs> yeah. Did you see Carl Anderson's response on Impact? No. What did he say? What the hell did he say? He's like at the end of it, he's like... Uh... He was talking about, he's like, uh, sorry, Tomatonga, like after talking about being one a part of one of the best groups and blah, blah, blah. Like he kind of took a shot, like a joking shot at Tomatonga. It's like, um, what the fuck do they say if they're, if you're mad at each other within wrestling? You know, don't, oh, don't get hot, I think is what they said. Oh, don't get, yeah, don't get hot. Yeah, well, Tomatonga said like, 
if you were really the bullet club, you would be in Japan, basically. <laughs> so I think he won that. I don't know if you want to have a promo battle with Tim Tonga, by the way, because he's a wild man. Um, he's a wild man. I there's so much cool stuff they could have done with this, and they're not doing a good job. I don't know what impact is gaining from this. If anything, AEW is gaining from this more than. I mean, there's going to be people that watch AEW that tune in for this pay per view, but I don't know that people are watching Impact outside of maybe like diehards like me and you are tuning in to see what is going on. Um, and I will say this too: the invasion angle was so terrible when WWE tried to do it with WCW and not a lot of talent that they had. But I will give them this. When WWE was under attack, who the fuck came out? Kurt Angle, the the big show, fucking the the Rock, Stone Cold, you know, uh, Triple H, all of them working together. Everyone should have been out there. Pac should have been out there, fucking Kingston should have been out there, FTR should have been out there. Any big name should have been like, fuck these guys, they're trying to take over, and it should have been them against the Bucks, the Good Brothers, and Kenny. Whoever the fuck they had in the ring, I don't know any of them. That's not good. Well, even even if you're not doing that, Sting should have came out with a bat. This is the, the part where you use Darby Allen and the Sting instead of doing what they did with FTW for the third week in a row. Like, you have Darby and Sting come out and send them off. Not a bunch of random jobbers. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like was the gun club involved with this? I don't <laughs> like, I think they sat down. I think they were like, fuck this. We're too bad. We're too good for this. <laughs> And it, it just it immediately just harkens back to all of the problems, not even with the WWE invasion, because we haven't gotten that far yet. But with NWO versus WCW, where NWO always comes off like the cool guys. Right. Yep. Like people came out to help Moxley, but it wasn't like the people like. You know, the guy that you would want to come out and help Moxley in this situation would probably be Adam Page, who has the most heat with any of these dudes. And what they're all baby faces now. What about Adam Page followed by the Dark Order? At least they're more over than I, I just so dumb. I just uh, well, this, whatever. This is, the, this is the problem with having so many fucking groups like Darby Allen and Sting coming out with the snow following and clearing the ring would have been great. But they're locked up in a program with FTR or FTW, or whatever the fuck they're calling themselves. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, yep. <laughs> this is the problem with having so many groups locked into a storyline right. when you're doing an invasion angle. Um, the, the problem with WWE's invasion angle is they just rushed everything, and they they made WWE talent do a bunch of random bullshit. <laughs> we, that, that's a whole, we can do a whole nother podcast about that, actually, about the WWE, WCW, ECW invasion angle. That might be a separate show altogether, but uh, I don't know, man. This is just like Bullet Club versus the world, because it's not really Impact is invasion, in, invading AEW. They're invading both companies. Yeah. It, it actually seemed more like Impact versus a random indie event uh, in Nebraska. That's what it really... With, with Moxley, thankfully, there to represent AEW and the Lucha Pros. <laughs> well, shit. 
you know, maybe maybe they they work something out with uh, New Japan and Jay White can show up with the <laughs> the Gorillas of Destiny and just put in that fucking that work. fucking work on it. We're the real Bullet Club. Yeah, that would be cool. All right, well, the next match I also thought was fucking stupid. Um, we had the Jurassic Express going against FTR. Man, I, I really bury the lead, huh? Uh, so basically last week we talked about this. They talked shit about Marco. They were supposed to have a match against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. They called out Marco, and Marco positioned himself to replace Luchasaurus for this match. And this was an impromptu. I'm reading Bleacher Report. Whoever the author is, if you hear this, I love your B-plus for this fucking match. And saying that this was great stuff that portrayed Stunt and Jungle Boy as a formidable team, uh, even without the massive Luchasaurus by their side. I hated this match. I understand he didn't get too much offense, but Marco Stunt shouldn't have gotten any fucking offense. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see Dax Harwood taking a fucking enziguri from Marco Stunt and selling it like it actually hurt him. I think it's a goddamn joke. I This is stuff that completely takes me out of it. There's nothing redeeming about him to me at all. I'm not trying to be like Jim Cornette, but FTR to me is – this. Uh, take out FTR. Put in LAX. Would it feel the same way? Take out LAX. Put in the Young Bucks. I'd feel the same way. I would not want to see fucking Marco Stunt being competitive with two guys five times bigger than him that have had the goddamn titles in the past. Jungle Boy's fine. Jungle Boy is passable. He's fine. Marco Stunt, most of the time he was getting his ass kicked. Those couple comebacks that he had I thought were fucking stupid, and I did not want to see FTR selling it. And I wonder how Tully Blanchard, what he was thinking when he was watching this from ringside play out. So that's how I feel about it. If you are going to be mad at me, go ahead and message me, Danehouse42 on Twitter, and we'll have a fuck-off contest. So what you're saying is you want Brian Alvarez to break Marco Stunt's leg again? His leg, his mother's leg, his his fucking father's leg, every one of them. All the stunts. Um, I don't have a problem with this tag team being like a random match with Marco Stunt. Like if you want to use Marco Stunt, to me he is a – he's like a Santino Morello. He's supposed to be kind of a popular comedy-esque character. Uh, I think I he's do. more like a James Ellsworth. Okay, like, Would you fine. want James Ellsworth to actually be able to do well against either member of FTR or the Usos? Or He beat AJ Styles, dude. <laughs> it's not but that was with fuckery. That was with fuckery. <laughs> Come on. Well, that's what I'm saying, is you can utilize this cat in a way that makes more sense. I don't necessarily know that one of FTR's first matches you have back, you have any of them selling shit to either Jungle Boy or, <laughs> and not to knock Jungle Boy, because I think there is something there that you can get over. I think he needs to lose the Jungle Boy thing and Luchasaurus, if I'm being completely honest. I think it's fun. It's a fun tag team, but it's never a tag team that's going to be the top tag team, right? Especially with how stacked that is. So he needs to break away from them and just become... You know, was a uh, Jack. He just needs to be Jack Perry, or he could be, you know, Jungle Jungle Boy Jack Perry, which is what Jr. tries to get over that everyone bitches about. <laughs> everyone bitches about Jungle Jack Perry sounds way cooler, and then he can still come out the Tarzan Boy, which I like for his entrance. That's fine, but fucking fucking Marco stunt. God damn it. <laughs> 
Ugh. Yes. So I, I, I don't hate Marco Stunt. I don't have, I mean, like he obviously knows how to wrestle. He, he's just, he's, un, he's unfortunately sized the way he is. And I don't necessarily know that I would have had FTR sell anything to this guy. Uh, just because it's FTR. If you threw him in a match with like the best friends or like, uh, was it and, and Helico and Je- you know, lower end yeah. of this tag team, I probably wouldn't have had as much of a problem with it but because it's FTR yet. No, because the entire thing is FTR is eventually going to get those titles back and they shouldn't be selling shit to Marco. So speaking about another team, um, kind of in that same, uh, bracket that I wouldn't have mind selling to, uh, with Marco stunt. Um, we had a, a little interview backstage with Dasha, with Matt Hardy and private party. And in which private party wasn't really happy with, some of the decisions that they made with the contracts by Money Mark, Money Matt Hardy, or whatever the hell they're calling Money Mark, Mark Matt Hardy, or whatever the fuck. Um, basically, not only is Hardy taking percentage, like they said, 30% of their stuff, but also for their, um, you know, their uh, their stuff they're doing on Twitch, any third-party platform, he's also taking a percentage. Basically, Matt just told him they should have read the fucking contract more so. Uh, I like Matt as a heel. I think this character is interesting. I'm actually liking him more and more, the more swarmy and, and douchebag. I wish that Snoop Dogg would have said something to them last week, like, man, you guys signed, you guys signed a terrible contract, just to let you know. Like, you should get a lawyer or something, something on those lines, but he didn't say anything. But this week, Matt just putting him in their place and taking a percentage of their third-party stuff? What type of company would fuck over people with third-party situations? God. Well, they played off the the week before where he's like, I'm not going to cut into your cameo or your Twitch or whatever. And then this week he obviously decided that's what he was going to (laughs) do, which was, you know, as far as being a heel is fine. I agree with you. They should have probably done more with Snoop Dogg, but they just expect that you watch Be the Elite, where Matt Hardy described his uh, original (laughs) agent or manager (laughs) that was taking like all of his money. They just expect they you to just they expect you to know all this shit. Um no, it wasn't even it wasn't even <laughs> it wasn't Michael Hayes, it was someone else, I can't remember, but oh, never mind, I'm going back. <laughs> what a weirdo <laughs> as Cameron Grimes would say. No, he, I, hate I hate rednecks. I hate rednecks, that's what it was. <laughs> that was the only good thing that's happened out of that entire Loomis storyline was Michael Hayes falling out of a van and Cameron Grimes being like, I hate rednecks. Um, Which uh, makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Now I done forgot what I was talking about, sir. Uh, Adam, it doesn't. What, what, what were Matt we Hardy. just talking Matt Hardy. Yeah, it's fine. I wish they would have done more with Snoop Dogg being like, y'all shouldn't sign that contract. But they just expect everyone to watch Be the Elite, and they wanted to make a gin and juice reference. Yeah, that's another conversation for another day. All right, we had the NWA Women's Championship match, Serena Deeb versus Ty Conti. Uh, we already kind of went into this. Uh, Ty Conti probably had the best match of her career with her ex-trainer, Serena Deeb, back when she was part of the NXT Performance Center. And uh, Deeb, great fucking babyface, great fucking wrestler. Once again, to me, the NWA Women's Championship is just on a different level 
than the actual AEW one. Good match. She defeated uh, Conti, and um, yeah, I, I just think it was fine. It was it was a it was a good match, solid, and probably Ty Conti's better match um, or best match, I would say, uh, in her career, at least televised. Yeah, best match I've ever seen her in. This was a good match. I really enjoyed it. And uh, people don't shit on the performance center before doing research. That'd be good for your health. Unlike big dicks in your ass, according to Ice Cube, that's bad for your health. Well, it depends on who you ask about that, you know. Some people are trying to get a G-spot hit. Well, hey man, I only I only accept answers from Ice Cube, and he says it's bad for your health. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> oh God! All right, so the last match, TNT Championship match, Darby Allen and Brian Cage, and my God, Darby Allen can take a fucking beating. There was one point towards the end. Where Darby Allen, it's like Brian Cage was going for the three powerbomb thing that Jericho's done, that Brock's done, and he fucking hit him twice with gnarly powerbombs and just tossed his ass for the third one to the outside. Um, Allen's face was was busted open. I mean, it was it was basically Darby getting his ass kicked uh, for fucking with Taz, for not taking his advice, for not joining his team. I mean, this, that's what it's all been about. Uh, they went back and they had a great video package before this even showed when they, when Brian cage was introduced into that ladder match and how he just destroyed Darby Allen, even taking him, putting him in a body bag and giving him a power bomb with the body bag with thumbtacks inside of it to the outside of the ring and the machine, um, whether the early storm presented by Allen overpowering him and delivered a suplex on the arena floor. From there, he gorilla pressed him in the ring and tossed him over the rope through a table at ringside. Allen's face was bloodied, and Allen found him, uh, himself on the receiving end of a beating that left uh, referee Paul Thomas checking on uh, his well-being. Cage dominated throughout the commercial break punishing his opponent and downing him for a one count that Al- that Allen uh, defiantly kicked out of. Allen flipped Cage the bird, only to be powerbombed onto the re- entrance ramp. Another middle finger earned him a deadlift superplex from the ramp into the ring. It earned another one count as the champion powered out. Cage was getting pissed off. Cage positioned the ring steps against the squared circle. Allen fought back bit Cage's fingers, and sent him crashing back first into the stairs. From there, he scaled the ropes and delivered a coffin drop, driving his weight into his opponent. Allen delivered consecutive open-hand slaps. He bit Cage's face, delivered a springboard stunner, and tied the challenger's feet together, which I don't know how the fuck was legal, and JR was very, very much one to point that out as well many times. He fired off some rights and lefts to the back of the head as Cage tried to free his feet. The champion delivered a code red for a two count. Uh, Late in the match, Allen set up the coffin drop, but Ricky Starks hopped on the apron and provided a distraction. Sting appeared and blasted Starks. Allen delivered a crucifix bomb from the middle rope to successfully retain his title. Sting joined the TNT champion in the ring, staring down Team Taz as snow fell. And the show faded to black. Match itself, I thought was awesome. 
didn't really like Brian Cage getting a loss, but that's, I mean, they, they presented this match. I, I just think the booking of Brian Cage being presented a title that Taz used to have, not even winning it. I mean, it, this is not as bad as him getting beaten by Tessa Blanchard for the World Heavyweight Championship, but I don't think this is helping him on AEW. I think that he could be actually a great monster baby face, but they're doing this. I like the pairing with Taz. I just, none of his guys win. I mean, they, they collect wins on other platforms or against lesser opponents, but when it comes to one of them actually, like him or Ricky Starks, actually winning a big match that's important, they always fucking lose. And, I mean, I'll even go – I was bitching about Marco Stunt. Darby Allen had to do some some devious things to get the advantage, but in a lot of ways, and even though he got his ass kicked from majority of the match, look at fucking Brian Cage, like, physically compared to Darby Allen. And then everything afterwards, the same fucking shit, like you said, Chris, with staying no progression in that story, kind of put a little sour note after what I thought was a really damn good match between Darby Allen and Brian Cage. Yeah, and, and to me, it just seems like they're setting up Taz versus Sting in some sort of cinematic match, right? Is that where they're headed with this thing? Sure. Whatever. Which, that could be cool, like a street fight or a graveyard fight or something with Sting. I don't know. I have faith that they'll be able to do that fine but um i the match itself was great i love darby allen just kicking out of every big move at one and flipping the bird when he gets power bombed yeah. through the world because he the entire idea it's like and they did this with raven a little bit in wcw if you remember he likes pain like it doesn't bother him that was like part of raven's stick in WCW, I kind of like this uh, this side of Darby Allen against all odds, and it sucks for Cage, but Cage hasn't been built in a way that would make you want him to beat Darby Allen, especially for the title. And Darby just won the title. I I don't like I said, it does seem like they're going to do Sting versus Taz, so that's what they're building towards. I don't I. I don't know. I may have wanted to do Sting versus Dustin Rhodes as opposed to this, but to each their own, I guess. Yeah, it's just uh, not a lot of change. And uh, not. how do you feel about Brian Cage, like I was saying? Like, do you think that he's been booked good on AEW, or do you think that he could be doing a lot more? Well, they booked him super strong coming in. Winning the uh, was the number one contendership, right? Yep. I mean, he looked good in that match. He killed Darby, he killed Frankie Kazarian, he destroyed pretty much everyone. Uh, I think the problem is, is they have, like I said, because they have a lot of smaller guys on their roster. When they started signing all of these hosses, they they couldn't book them all the same all way. The same so way. like like you have like they signed Luke Harper at the same time. Uh, R.I.P. They signed Brian Cage. They signed Wardlow. They Lance have Jake Archer. Hager, Lance Archer. You can't have all of these dominant big guys in the same exact storyline. I'm going to present, and I've heard a lot of people suggest the same thing. If they're going to declare him the fuck the world champion, 
I think that should be what it represents. Who is the biggest badass? Who is the biggest, you know, guy that's that's willing to, uh, you know, just just someone to represent? Kind of like, not really. I'm saying being a super heavyweight championship, but kind of in the same thing. I think this should be Brian Cage against Lance Archer for this. I think that even Eddie Kingston's a good representative of someone to throw in there. Um, Wardlow, you know, this should be a title that kind of represents some of the bigger guys or brawlers or the one that wants to be called the biggest badass within uh, AEW because that's what Taz presented it as, and that's what he did in ECW with it. He was the biggest fucking badass. So why not take that same thing and actually put this fucking belt on the line if you're going to have Justin Roberts call him the champion of it? We should actually start treating it like a championship instead of a prop is what I think. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think more of the problem is this title works really well with a great promo and a very intimidating face. And I, like you said, I think Brian Cage is better as a baby face. Me too. Like, I, I don't... I, he just doesn't but come think off about as this. a heel to me. <laughs> it's you gotta get the title ball. off of him. But if you have the situation, you have Wardlow that MJF can talk for him in the situation. Eddie Kingston can talk for himself. Lance Archer, Jake the Snake, Taz, obviously, for, for Brian Cage. So you can still have someone presented. Like, if Eddie Kingston was like, I'm the real guy that's the fucking hard ass like you were, Taz, back when you were in fucking ECW. Brian Cage ain't doing shit with that fucking title. I want it. I'm the biggest badass. And you have him and Taz going back and forth. Or Jake the Snake Roberts doing that. It just seems like it's just there. And apparently, this was presented to Taz from Tony Khan because he was such a huge mark of ECW. If you wanted that title so badly a part of your company, make it an actual fucking belt. Like, I don't know. I it's not like you don't have the NWA Women's Championship. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to <laughs> cut you off. But it's not like you don't have the NWA Women's Championship on your fucking show. To me, the Fuck the World title in AEW should be a hardcore title. And if you're not going to do a bunch of hardcore matches, yeah. you shouldn't have the goddamn title there, if I'm being completely honest. And also, Brian Cage has lost to a bunch of people in no DQ matches. I mean, if anything, if there's going to be one person that would be carrying this title, it would be John Moxley. He's the guy that doesn't get beat in that match. He should be your Fuck the World <laughs> champion. I'm down with that too. Um, you know, like if you want to, if you want to do this, if you want to present this, like you said, if it's fuck the world, we don't care about the rules. Everything is supposed to be like it was in ECW, which in the Taz matches when he was the fuck the world champion, he was also, if I remember right, he was the ECW champion, right? At one point. Mm -hmm. So if you're Taz. The, the entire character of Taz that was that he was such a badass, he didn't need to use weapons. Like, he was just suplexing motherfuckers on, their, on his head when he had his disciples and the FTW title. That's fine. We'll have Brian Cage do that. Like, have him have a match against Joey Janela, who's using all of this crazy shit against him, and then he just, like, Germans him to death. But <laughs> But the but the problem is is like you can only squeeze in so much shit on a two hour show and you have like 
do you think Brian Cage can be a bigger star than Wardlow? Oh, that's hard because I think Wardlow has more money when it comes. I I, I think Wardlow's a better promo, and but he has a shitload of potential. But Brian Cage, he's developed, man. He's He's really good in the fucking ring. Uh, we haven't. I don't think we've had a good demonstration like we did in Impact and Lucha Underground of how good he can be in the ring with AEW. So it's it's weird. Um, I think the fact that he's not the greatest speaker definitely hinders him. But the dude is like the size of a mini Brock Lesnar, and he has the attitude and the and the in ring ability of one of his favorites, Chris Benoit. So he's a very impressive wrestler. I just think he could be way higher profile, but compared to Wardlow, I don't know. That's a that's a really good question, Chris. That's a really good question. Because I mean, you're gonna have to book the guys the same way. That's that's more of the problem. I. Yep. I, with Brian Cage, I liked him a lot in Impact. I think he is a great wrestler. It sucks that he got injured in his title run in Impact, right when he took that stage power bomb or whatever it was. Oh. Yeah, I remember that. And I know that that really, I think that probably took a lot away from what he originally was when he was an impact because he looked like an absolute monster. AEW has a stacked roster. They have a lot of shit going on at all times. I'm sure there's something they can do with Cage. I don't, uh, them carrying out this Darby Allen storyline has done him way more harm than good. That's the the best way to put it, I guess. I mean, I yep. liked the idea of making him and Will Hobbs a tag team to squash oh, like all the of these. Warriors? Yeah, to squash all of these fucking smaller guys and just create two FTW titles and make them the FTW tag champions. That's a great idea. <laughs> I <laughs> because, love like, that. Like the Bucks flying around with these giant assholes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like. Uh, that was as soon as Will Hobbs joined, I thought that's what was going to be the thing. I was like, oh, they're going to make them a tag team, which will be amazing because they don't have anyone like that on that roster. I mean, I guess they kind of do now that they have the good brothers showing up because Gallows is so big, not necessarily Anderson, but they, they have a little bit of an intimidating factor versus if you look at the rest of that tag roster, uh, but Will Hobbs and Brian Cage, that is like very much a Road Warriors ass type tag team or a Steiners type tag team. We could just have them go in yeah. and next people to death, which is the best thing they could do for those two guys. Because, like I said, they have a lot of the same kind of guys, not necessarily the best at promos. That's why they put them with Taz to begin with. And I, to me, just throw this. If you threw those two guys guys in a tag team. They could have so many great matches with like the Young Bucks or FTR or, you know, Pride and Powerful or SCU, whoever you wanted to throw against them, because they, you know, all of those guys are such great workers, those smaller tag teams that they're going to make them look like a million bucks. And you have Taz being the Ellering, being able to promote the fuck out of them. And let, just let them be intense like the Road Warriors were when they do their, you know, that whole thing. I don't want it with Finn Balor, but when it comes to like a, like a Road Warriors-esque concept, yeah, just have them be straight intensity, you know, aggression uh, that kind of borders 
heel baby face, just like LOD used to do, just like Demolition used to do. And a lot yeah, of teams that are like that. And with, you know, even if you don't want to go the full Road Warriors Demolition, the, I get what you're saying about the in-ring stuff, but I mean, another, like I said, another example is the Steiners. Steiners, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Why can these two guys not be the Steiners? If you don't have anything for them to do, have them start squashing these up-and-coming tag teams. Like, what is it, Top Flight? <laughs> like, if you look We're at Brian Cage... the fucking audience. Yeah, like... <laughs> Could you imagine uh, if they did a spot where Brian Cage has one of them on one side of the ring and uh, Hobbs has the other one and they literally press-slam them into the audience? That would be fucking amazing. That's what I'm saying. If you want to do something with these guys, I don't I mean, for me, Ricky Starks being in the North American title picture is probably fine. I'm not a big Ricky Starks fan, but I think he's people like him, you know, and he he uh, he sells Sting Snow. So I think that shit's hilarious. (laughs) Um, But there's other stuff that he could do, even if you want to keep that group together, like you could have him going after the North American title or something. But TNT, you mean? Or TNT, yeah, sorry. Well, I called it North American. My bad. The Intercontinental title. Uh, I just got t- you back, bro. The TV title. Uh, yeah, but, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yep. Just create two FTW titles and make them the FTW you know, tag champs, especially since the Young Bucks are going to be tied up in this Bullet Club angle, and have them demolish a bunch of people and FTR beats them, right? And then you get Tolly and Taz mixing it up on promos. There's a lot of good shit you could do there. But uh, what they have for Brian Cage to do right now is absolutely nothing other than losing to Darby. Yep. (sighs) Completely agree with you. But still, way more entertaining than Monday Night Raw. Um, But yeah, that will be our show, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. A little bit over... Three hours, I would say, uh, providing you guys with some information about the news and about our reviews on the Wednesday shows and also SmackDown. Uh, Good wrestling week. Not a lot of big stuff happening, but I'm sure we're going to get a lot of big stuff in the next following week. And we'll at least have the results of Impact's pay-per-view Fight to Kill that's on tonight as we record on Saturday. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to that main event uh, despite the changes with Moose, I want to see more of what's going on with Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers and whatever that they can throw out on that pay-per-view to advance it. And hopefully they don't not advance it like they have been uh, somewhat on Impact and even AEW. But either way, good shit. Guys, go to our website, geekvibesnation.com. That's geekvibesnation.com. You'll find news articles from our various great writers and also, uh, you know, different results for stuff, reviews, uh, as well as, you know, going to our social media platforms. They have links. You can find us at Geek Vibes Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look us up. Be a part of the conversation. Be a part of Geek Vibes Nation and also Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We usually do one to two shows a week. If you're a new listener, thank you guys for checking us out. We usually put the show out on Saturday, or we usually record the show on Saturday, get the show out by the next day. And, uh, yeah, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Red Circle, um, pretty much Spotify, all of your major downloadable platforms. Just check it out. 
Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google. You'll find various options so you can listen to it and keep up with us. If you want to talk to me, I already said Daydalves42 on Twitter. You can also find me at Daydalves on Facebook. I'm also on the Geek Vibes Nation Facebook page, the group page, a lot. So just come. We'll have a nice little conversation about wrestling. And if you're an a-hole, I will be one right back to you. Just a warning. But I love everyone. All of you guys, you're great listeners. Everyone else, they suck. You guys are the best. want to thank my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Plug whatever you got to plug and say goodbye to the lovely audience. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 92, the work episode of 92, I guess, <laughs> of this podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to talk to me about wrestling, if you want to tell me uh, that that I'm a dumbass for thinking that Will Hobbs and Brian Cage would be a great tag team, hit me up at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Uh, also, if you're a hockey fan, got hockey going on right now. Devils are are currently playing the Big Bad Bruins at Skates and Throats will be posted up probably by Monday. So check that out. We're going to review all the games, talk about all the news around the league. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me, Dane. As always, love the show. Thanks for having me as your co-host, bud. No problem at all. Go Bastion Bruins, me. Anyways, you guys have a wonderful day. Let the Geek Fives be with you. And as always, peace out.